Something new is waiting for you at Disneyland. It looks rather innocent, just a big old mansion. But there's a twist. You see, this mansion is haunted. <laughs> Greetings, curious mortals. I am your ghost host at the Disneyland Haunted Mansion. Why not make final arrangements to join us soon? <laughs> Sleepovers. We appreciate sleepovers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, one, two, one, two. Get three. everything adjusted. Three, four. Unlock the door. We're we're, we're rolling. We keep going and we're going. We're going. Uh, we got some coffee. It's a it's again. It's a late 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 Saturday night Sunday morning whichever early Sunday morning sleepovers. Yeah, it's it's whatever your how you look at the world. Coffee time. Yeah, with it's Dion and <laughs> We run out of drinking liquor. And we've gotten to the point now where we're drinking coffee. Oh, you know what would be so good? What's that? If we early morning trip to McDonald's for some fucking egg McMuffins or something. They, I've, I've kind of um, done away with them because they've got me so mad because I was when I was little one of the only fans of the cheese Danish. Oh, they don't have that. No, they huh? don't do it anymore. They took it off the menu. And uh, first, you know, some I, places might. Still, some of them might. Still I don't have think it. so. I mean, if if anyone out there in in the land of podcasting that are listening to us in the annals of 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 uh, digital land know of McDonald's that still does the cheese Danish, I would like to know because when I was little, my mom was a nurse. Some rickety chairs here. I know we got. We're on a boat <laughs> for this recording. In our last recording of uh, Mad Love, we were on a we're on a uh, we're, we're on a a nice uh, three mast vessel. <laughs> And you know what we did was we went far out. <laughs> we're in um, the Hudson Bay, and we uh, we dropped anchor, and we're just sitting here. And sometimes you'll hear you know the ships creaking and moving. Ooh, just moving, you know, ever so slightly. So um, my mom, you know, she worked the night shift, and she'd come out like seven in the morning because she worked eleven to seven as a nurse, and uh, she'd take me out say for breakfast. And when I was really little, we'd go and I get the cheese Danish, and that was back in the day when they would heat it up for you. Heat that shit. So you get that shit hot, and then. One day, I don't know, when, oh, maybe when I was in high school or, or middle school, I went to get that son of a bitch, and they they gave it to me cold. I'm like, what's this shit, bitch? Not to my, <laughs> not to my mom. <laughs> I said it to the first. I was like, what's going is on this here? The, is this the Hamden McDonald's? Uh, this was New Haven at the time. Oh, okay. And then, then it might have been the, this might have been the Hamden, Hamden McDonald's. Hamden McDonald's is the worst McDonald's of all time. Uh, yeah, that, for, for you. Slanderous. Yeah. Slanderous. Allegedly. Yeah. It's alleged. And we've been to a shitload of McDonald's. But uh, I forgot about that. You made the declarative statement while yelling at somebody in the Hamden, Connecticut McDonald's. Home of Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> all comes for a circle. Um, so I got the cheese Danish and it was cold. And they're like, no, we don't heat it up anymore. So it's like, not only that, it's like, you know, it's sealed. Really? You can't do You can't do just a throw this son of a bitch in the microwave for like 10 seconds. Just, I don't want it. Like, it's not a minute. I'm not making a frozen meal. <laughs> I just, you know, so it's cold. So, so I had to deal with like getting my orange juice and just eating a cold Danish, which I guess, you know what? You know, I guess they're meant to be cold, but I got. You enjoyed it hot. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, it's like people who, if you've never had a hot donut, you may not know what you're missing, yeah. but uh, we're gonna the whole cast. We're gonna have this. We're gonna hear because we're drinking coffee because we're so tired. So um, it kind of upset me where it was like you know that kind of sucks. And then you know years go by and then I go to it and they're like 
I got this 15 year old like I don't know what you're talking about we don't have Jeez, TV Danish. what the What's hell that? is that yeah no, what are you like, talking about man then we're like what motherfucker <laughs> and I was like what you talking about Dion <laughs> yeah Jesus Christ Dion why are you white I'm like yeah it's an Italian Irish name um, welcome to another night of Saturday night movie sleepovers Whew, man Blake just nodded off there <laughs> Well, uh, you know, this is uh, this was a late one. It was a late one. Yeah, you know, we're was, just uh, we're just burning uh, both ends of the candles now. At this point, it's, uh, yeah. I know. Well, if this is part three. If, if you're in it, you know, if you're in this, you know, it's this is we're in the midst of our Saturday night movie sleepovers, Halloween extravaganza, dun, dun, dun. starring Jay Blake. <laughs> As always, your hosts, and Dion, Dion Bay Blake, brought to you by Winston. Winston Lights. <laughs> yes. Small. Doctors agree. Winston's are the best cigarettes. Uh, here we are again. We're back. This is part three of our uh, Halloween uh uh, An unorthodox cast. choice, we should say up front. Yes, it is. It is. And, and uh, um, a lot of the executives at Saturday Movie Sleep were like, well, why are you picking this movie? Like, the well, higher-ups. Yeah, we're like, I don't know. They, they kind of gave a little tussle. I was like, well, we have to justify it then. And um, this week we're doing a, a, a movie near and dear to my heart. Near and dear to your heart, for sure. Yeah, uh, 1979's The Black Hole. Disney's The Black Hole, which and, for a while <laughs> was just The Black Hole. But then it came back and now it's Disney's yeah. The Black Hole. I should also say that, like, I don't know. I, I think I, I think <laughs> I, I forced it onto you, but I think you have like a, a, a nice collection of black hole memorabilia. Huge, be, I have a huge partially because every time I see something related, to you, you just like, get it for me. I give it. To you. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, a lot has to do with you. I mean, I've I've had here and there little things, and then um, you know, uh, maybe for the for the website you can post the. A picture of all your oh my black all hole. my glory <laughs> oh your black I think a lot of it, a lot of it's in storage a lot of it's you see a lot of it's like in in like safety deposit boxes and various yeah, banks because yeah. they're so valuable to me the, Saturday, uh, the movie the Saturday night movie sleep sleepover archive yeah the vault you know we got a guy down there who's who he's, he's been down there since World it's War like, II yeah it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah we uh, have so warehouse. much we have, we have so much crap down there not crap but it's it's just stuff but um yes this movie. Uh, I love, and because of that, I think we've always, our friendship, we've always talked about it, and then you had the toys growing up. For some reason, we had toys, and it's funny, when we decided that we were going to do this movie, I texted my brother, and I was like, hey, do you remember the movie The Black Hole? And he's like, no. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I wonder why we had so many things. Because we had the figures, I had that storybook that I gave you. We had like a lot of black hole stuff. Yeah, they came out with a whole bunch of uh, merchandising for this movie. I mean, they had um, they had they had all kinds of crap for it. They had uh, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those figures that not they're not quite big enough to be GI Joes, but they they had those of everybody. The ones I I, I had ones that were pretty damn close to GI Joe size. Well, those I think the Raiders of the Lost Ark are like a little small. They're like almost the size of like Mask. Remember Secret Rangers Mask, uh, the Mask show in the eighties. Yeah. They're like that size, and then they had like Migos uh, yeah, released a line bigger. that were like a little bigger of everybody. Like Ernest Borg, now you can get him like you know as like in and those have like real clothes on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean they had color forms, which I had. Remember color forms? They had color, uh, forms. color forms. They had Viewmasters of this movie. They had the storybook, which you gave me. You had the hardcover storybook. Yeah. Uh, they had uh, which is like eight pages of black hole glory yeah it's just all <laughs> glory old that sounds so bad that sounds horrible 
<laughs> Jesus, it's the it's the glory of the black hole. <laughs> that's that's whoops. That's so horrible. But they had uh, I mean, right off the bat, I guess since we're getting to this, we had uh, Alan Dean Foster, who was a big guy in sci-fi land. He did a novelization for this movie. Oh yeah, uh, novelizations. It's, you got me the novelization for this. Uh, I, have, I have it as well. They, they, yeah, I also each. I also bought us each the record of the John Barry score. Yeah, and not only that, I in Pittsburgh we have to bring up. <laughs> this was right out of Pittsburgh. I bought those straight babies. out of Pittsburgh. Uh, we we have to bring up the for, for the John Barry score, which we'll get to. It's the first digitally recorded score, as well as it's one of these scores where uh, the LP has uh, dialogue as well on it, and some of the dialogue that's recorded does not appear in the movie, which is very interesting. Uh, that is interesting. They did an official Disney read-along book, uh, you know, and they've, uh, which we can get a, get to a little later because they, <laughs> every every edition of this has a variation of the ending of this movie. There was the, do uh, you remember the children's book, Little Golden Books? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they did a, a black hole edition of that, too. They want to fuck everybody up, you know, and that was called Black Hole, a Spaceship Adventure for Robots, so it had a little adventure there. Like we said, the Mego Toys, they did 12-inch and 4-inch figures. Comics? Wasn't there the comic book adaptations Jack Kirby. Also? Jack Kirby did a... For, uh, great of, Jack Kirby. Yeah, scripted by Carl King Falberg. Kirby. King Kirby, he did a, a, a comic strip for the Walt Disney Treasures Classic Comic Tales. Uh, classic tales, I should say. And uh, let's see. In 1983, which is, what, four years after the movie came out, Disney put out a computer learning game spinoff called Space Probe uh, Math. This was a cassette containing two educational games designed for use with the Radio Shack TRS-80 color computer. Oh, Radio Shack. You know, I found a Radio Shack. I walked by a Radio Shack. God, God bless you. You should, you should, because so you should many, fucking check into that son of a bitch. Because so many of them have closed. Yeah, I know. I thought they all closed. No, they just really did a severe but the la- But like last week, I walked by Go one. walk in and check in on it. You know? I mean, it's like, you know, it's after they remodeled it to be more like a Mac store. So mm, it's not really, like the old Radio same. Shack. But it yeah, was well, like, holy shit, there's still a Radio Shack? Back when Radio Shack was doing their own computers back at this point. Like, we can get on that bandwagon too. So they partnered with Disney, I guess. And the concept of this game was the Palomino had landed on an infective planet Delta 5 Omega. And all the crew were falling under mine diffusion. Now, let me ask you, this is how many years after... This is uh, 83, so this and the movie came out in 79. Okay, so this is like the dawn of the video. Yeah, the video. Day, but this is, in the, and this is computer. This is no, computer I'm saying games. in terms oh, of movie. like that you could, oh, right, you know, it wasn't because it's like. Well, let me finish this. The players right. age 7 to 14 had to solve mathematical problems to save the crew. And uh, then the, the second game, the player had to save uh, a primitive world's crops using rectangular area and perimeter problems. So there you go. It's it's interesting. Yes, and you're, what you're saying is the correlation to how I discovered this movie. I was too young to see this movie in the theater. Because I was going to say, like, that many years later, like, was the movie big enough that, like, four years later you could release, like, a video game based on it or an educational video game based on it? But, I'm get, but it's around the dawn of, like, the video store yeah. generation. So it was like that movie was around. You could see it. It wasn't like... 1979 was the last time you saw that movie before this no, video the, it, came No, it was put out on video, and it was in one of those badass uh, old-school clamshell editions of the, the video. And Disney, I think, really... I don't want to say pioneered, but they really prided themselves on having those big-ass, badass, 80s clamshells. Knock somebody else with that. Yeah, you can, uh, you can knock, knock somebody, somebody else. You can, you can drop a cassette <laughs> off a building in one of those clamshells, and that thing would be all right. And uh, Maybe we'll try that after. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're going to go out of the building at, po- uh, at, at, at the uh, podcasting studios. 
on Sixth <laughs> Avenue and drop this son of a bitch. But first, we have to get in because we're in the middle of the Hudson River right now. Um, so that's how I first discovered this movie. Yeah. Okay. I, so that's what. That's so, why I'm. This is a big movie for you. It's always been. You know, there are certain movies when you become friends with somebody and when you become you as, relay as close friends yeah. with somebody as Dean and I are. Yeah, we share each other's underwear, <laughs> and it's like uh, you know, we in the back. He's like black hole. You know, there are certain movies that you know you come to like as i did you come to realize that like for me you know black hole is a movie that is very very near and dear to Dion's heart so that was going to be my first question which is when did you see it it's what Ed- was it about it that captured your imagination uh what I, year i want the story i want it everything. all tell me i think it's one of the earliest movies i remember getting on video so my parents must have got the vcr and they must have discovered the video store that was on Whaley Avenue, New Haven. And we went to that when video store. When you say bought, got on video, they rented it? Yeah, they rented it. They rent. They would rent that. Because back then, it was like, that would have been like 100 bucks. Yeah, so yeah, no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We didn't own anything on video. We just, we copied everything off the TV. Um, and they, I think this, if I remember correctly, I'm putting it all together. Uh, so maybe I'm making it up. But I think this video store must have had a Disney section. And this was at the time when Disney was really priding themselves on not a lot of the live action stuff. So... This was probably in there there with a lot of the stuff they must have re-released on video and, and, and various other things. And I got this movie because probably because of the Star Wars craze at the time. Yeah. You know, I took it home. And I remember specifically getting it around Halloween. And, like, my my parents had just bought... Do you remember those popcorn machine makers that's really fucking tall? Oh, yeah, with, like, the spout. Yeah, the and that? you have you have, you put the kernels in. Air it's fucking popper. loud. And then yeah. it has the spout, and you have to make sure that you have, like, the bowl right, or <laughs> yeah, the, like, the, the <laughs> shit will spill everywhere. We were, we were using that fucking contraption. Classic, classic. You know, and, and then, like, ours had... Did yours have... At the top, it was yellow and white, I think. Yeah, yellow, yeah. like a yellow... Yellow spout. Yellow spout, but at the top, we had, like, a little cup. Oh, yeah, put the butter in. When you put the butter in, <laughs> oh and it would God, melt the that's butter. That's so crazy. Yes, I remember that. As well as this movie has a memory of that, and also clutch for me is I remember watching this movie with Jiffy Pop. And Jiffy Pop at the time. So two viewings. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I wore this thing out. <laughs> this was, I think, every time we go to the video store and I wanted to get a Disney movie, I would get this movie. And uh, yeah, fuck it, keep some (laughs) apps. It's a babysitter. Come on, come on. I just imagine your dad having to sit through it. Yeah, I don't think he he was working. He didn't care. He's 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 in New York City working, and I'm stuck at home with my mom, and she's just like, watch the TV. I'm gonna go knit. And uh, so I remember again, Jiffy Pop. We get the Jiffy Pop, and then that whole experience of like, okay, you can hold it now. Just keep it moving on on the open stove, and you're moving that fucker around. Move it. I'm sorry. I can't quite reach the stove. I'm sorry. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're there for like 20 minutes. Like, seriously, really? Keep moving. It's not working. Keep it moving. And then, then after they hit you, they realize they didn't turn the stove on. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have the burner on. <laughs> they turned the burner on. Just filling the, <laughs> filling the kitchen up with gas. <laughs> That's why young Dion's very... Uh, I'm getting kind of woozy, man. Huh? Keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, God. Mom, there's not even a fucking open flame here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling kind of sleepy. So uh, so I, I was using, I remember those two integral parts of this movie. And then I remember watching the movie, and sadly at the time, VHS was pan and scan or full frame. So oh, yeah. You didn't get those beautiful widescreen images. I mean, it was that way for like, like yeah, five, five years ago. <laughs> So these editions, when they come out, you can't really see that as you know, as breathtaking as you can. <laughs> breathtaking. Uh, we're tired. Yeah, poor, it's a late night. Punch drunk. 
as breathtaking as, breathtaking as, as breathtaking as this was. I mean, I remember just being at all of the uh, the visual imagery on this, and then I knew people at the time. Ernest Borgnine. This is my first. I have a huge. That was affinity. my. That was my next question. Yeah, I have. A, this was my uh, introduction to Ernest Borgnine, which I have a huge affinity. If for. you're a, if you guys, uh, it depends on how long of a fan, I guess, is whether you know or not. There is another website that we are connected to called Podwits.com. Yeah, and that's their and Ernest over there. Borgnine is the patron is very saint. much the patron saint of that yeah, website, and, basically, and that is in no small part due to well because they were life. like why don't we when we were coming up for the for the podcast like and why don't you do something we'll do something unique why don't you do a a borg nine fact of the week and i was like really and i was like okay that sounds i don't know who'd want to listen to that that's <laughs> fucking awesome so uh i was a huge fan of his because he's from I, i'm from new haven yeah. he was born in tell haven. me that now no you know <laughs> we know why you, you love black, black hole. hole but now tell me what it is because this is something that i don't know maybe it's always been something that was like take it for granted like i never but i never found out other than the fact that i know that he was from like your hometown yeah like what is it? Why the obsession with Ernest Borg? Why well, he he's from the hometown. I was I was born in New Haven, raised there, moved to the suburb Hamden. He was born in Hamden, not at the same time, of course. <laughs> he was born in 1917. I was born in 1979. Uh, literally, when we moved to Hamden, I found out that we were kind of like in the same kind of neighborhood, kind of that he kind of grew up in. You know, 70 or 60 years removed. Uh, and I saw him in the black hole, and it was kind of like he was like the, the grandfather figure. Like, I really loved him. I wore that piece of shit out so that by the time Airwolf came on a couple years later, I so knew exactly where he was. So your love for Borgnine is very much connected. It's like, the, black like the seed of that love yeah, it was planted with it the black hole. It was the black hole of, of all them. Him and, I guess, not so much Maximilian Schell, who was also in the movie, but, <laughs> you know, and then because of You're my... obsession <laughs> with Maximilian Schell. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know... Knight Rider was huge in the early 80s, and then, of course, that begot Night Ho- uh, Street Hawks, and then Airwolf, and then, you know, he, fuck, it's, he's on Airwolf with J. Michael Vincent, you know, so I knew him from Black Hole, yeah. so it comes out of there, Interesting. and uh, I'd like to, to, to go on record as saying for Podwitz.com, I prided myself on, I never, what we would do is we would go to the Borgnanian fact of the week, or the, the, we would call it the Borgnanian moment, and then we would cut to a clip of him in a movie, a soundbite, and then we'd cut to me giving a fact. We never, we've never repeated on, on all the Pilots broadcasts, podcasts, we've never repeated a clip twice. We've always used a new clip every time, and we're, we're over 100 or so now uh, in podcasts, as well as a new fact. And that was fucking hard, because after you, you know, you, you read, I read his biography and all that, it's like, Jesus, what the fuck am I going <laughs> to, you know? And I, I want to give a shout out to his son, Chris Borgnine, who I'm actually friends with, very nice guy. Uh, he's on Facebook, lovely, lovely, lovely guy. We've talked a bit about uh, his father and his father's life, and and Chris's life as well. And I'd like to also say I am a proud patron of Tortilla Flats in Manhattan on the west side. Uh, is a really, really cool Mexican restaurant that really shows up in some Sex in the City. They, they're, they're an episode there. Housewives in New York. Bethany Frankel shows up there. So, like, some people do know what it is, Tortilla Flats on the lower west side of New York. They do an annual Borgnine night where uh, they have an affinity. For some reason, there's a really, really, really underground group of people who love Ernest Borgnine and they've been doing it I think for like 20 years now or maybe more and uh and I think it's about 
that amount of time, and I've been going since 2005, so I've participated maybe like close to 10, and I want to say that, that they do a lookalike contest. I know, you like take off from work for it. Yeah, because of my hours. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like I'm preparing, but my hours, I work, I work second shift, so I'm at work like, you know, say 2 to 10. And the thing happens from seven to ten, so I have to take the job day off. It's not like you know I work nine to five and I'm getting ready that morning, like <laughs> stretching to drink. But uh, I take off every it's it's every third Wednesday in February they do it. So you can kind of set your clocks around that. So every third Wednesday in February they do Borg Nine Night, and they do a bunch of fun games down there. I become close with the actual owners uh, uh, down there of Tortilla Flats and we're, we're, we're kind of friendly and I give, I slip them Borgnine movies they don't have because what they do is they do the lookalike contest and it's not so much you dress up like Borgnine. What they'll do is they'll play a clip from a movie and then they'll have like the lines from the scene or whatever they want you to read on a cue card and then whoever can do it best or the, the funniest way will end up winning the Borgnine Night uh, award for that year and what's here? This is 2015 we're doing this cast so 2013 I won the Borgnine Night. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You get a shirt every time you go, and I want to say a very little-known fact, very, 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 very little-known fact. The first winner of Borgnine Night was Chris Farley. He was down the night, and he was so drunk, he did... Uh, I think they were showing Marty, a clip for Marty. He did such a horrible job because he was so hammered, they just had to give it to him. So he was the first winner of Borgnine Night as the official, Little you know, and you get like a night trivia. Yeah, you don't get like you don't get like a trophy. You just they give you like a like a say a fifty dollar gift certificate to the restaurant. And yeah. if you go down, either way, if you uh, play the games or not, you get a shirt. So every night, they, every year, they give you they get they have a sweet new shirt. So I've got like ten shirts of like various awesome Borgnine photos, you know. So yeah, I'm a huge Borgnine fan, and I think he's freaking a testament to his acting, which I've heard some people slag him off in this movie and I think he does such a good job I think Borgnine uh, as a character actor is one of the greatest because he can take the most benign and horrible exposition and turn it into like Shakespeare and there's like a scene in this movie where he's like giving you the backstory of Maximilian Reinhardt aka Maximilian Schell and he gives like you know the exposition of his thing and and it's just I think it's brilliant it's like there's an example of why he's a fucking great actor so that is my story of Borgnine and uh, All right, good night, folks. Yeah, good night, folks. <laughs> we'll be seeing you soon. Uh, but also, this brings me back to a, a much happier time with like Disney, and that's, I think, a reason why this harkens back to the Flight of the Navigator cast and why I yeah. have such an affinity have with a, Disney. We, if you haven't heard it yet, we did a we did an episode where we uh, we covered Flight of the Navigator, which is '86, I think, another live um, action. And in the beginning of that, much like we're finding out the background of Dion's love for this movie obsession uh and that one the beginning of that cast is a lot of us talking about disney yeah and, and we, the history of disney and yeah live we can't really go through that so please check out we do a, we do a nice retrospective of where disney was at in the 80s around this time and we do touch on the black hole and, and you know what happened with it versus what disney was doing so go check out the night of the flight of the navigator cast because it's a great cast as well as we we do like sum up what's going on at Disney at the time from the fifties onto there. But uh, I think growing up because of the black hole and then renting these and then on ABC on Sunday nights you'd have this ABC Sunday night Disney movie. Yeah, and if you remember the intro, which we talk a lot about, as well as in the in flight the of the navigator <laughs> cast. Yeah, if you remember in the intro, you'd they'd always they I they they always love showing you. They were really proud of that scene with the with the meteor coming down the hall. Yeah. And that was in the intro every Sunday night. You'd see like you know the silhouettes of them trying to get out of the the uh, Cygnus, and they run across that that uh, you know catwalk, and you see the big boulder coming, and you know they just get away before the boulder crashes and 
and knocks the catwalk yeah. out. So it was a reinforcement of that. You see that every week on this Disney Sunday night, as well as growing up. For me, we rented this around Halloween, and it's such a horrifying movie to, to, to just think that, like, you know, at the end of the day, whatever your qualms are about it, and if you don't like it or not, it's a Disney movie. So you got it's like it's yeah. always whatever answer you could have about it. So well, it's a Disney movie. Okay, you know, so so uh, you know, I could make the argument. That I think for most of us, at least I do, even though I'm not as a Disney fanatic and I'm probably not as big of a Disney fan as you are in general, generally speaking. But though, at the same but time, I do have a great appreciation. I'm not for one it. of those guys who like wear ears. I mean, there's people I know no, who are like no. Disney there fans. There are people who... that are really into it. But, uh, uh, you know, I think in general, you're a little more. Uh, into it on a broader scale than I am. I mean, I certainly have an appreciation. But I think for this it. goes hand in hand with um. You you remember growing up and we've cited we talked about like you think about renting like the Adventures of Ichabod Crane. Yeah. yeah. You know how great that little short was with uh you know that I don't know if people even know that now oh, with yeah. Bing Crosby uh, opening up doing it, he narrates the thing. And, uh, and that's basically the story of Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow, which you know Tim Burton. The did Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, the short story. And uh, a lot of that animation, if you go and look at that, that's like so much of that, I think, was taken and put into Beauty and the Beast. Like, the, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of that, the, the, the girl in it, the, 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 the kind of the bad guy that they say could be this, the, the, the horseman. But in the old days, Disney had a very heavy hand in, in the Halloween era. They have some great yeah. throwbacks where they have like a very classic Huey, Dewey and Louie, Donald Duck uh, little short um, with like a gorilla escapes from a zoo and they, sure. they get battled around and the thing and there's a couple others the the, the very classic Ghostbusters one where uh, uh, Mickey Donald not, and not Bill Murray no 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 no, no. <laughs> but, but it's I like mean, you know Humphrey, uh, Bill, uh, Humphrey uh, Bogart Dan, Dan Aykroyd Dan Aykroyd the, the the Ivan Reitman movie but they they're they're it's a short where they're Ghostbusters and they go to a house and the, the ghosts at the haunted house are bored so they're like hey. We'll call these guys up and we'll just fuck with them. And then they, you know, they call them up and they come over with like freaking like, you know, traps and like, you know, freaking, uh, you know, nets to try to get them. And then and that's a very classic uh, short. So they had I a lot to of, have, uh, you know, entries in Halloween. When I was little, and I don't know if we talk about it at all on our Batman cast, but two of my most prized possessions growing up were storybooks that had an accompanying tape. Yeah. And I had a Batman one that was like Batman and Robin and the tale of the something Sphinx. And I actually posted a video on YouTube at some point, maybe I'll repost it at some point where somebody actually makes a little video out of the tape and pictures from the book. But the other one was a Donald duck, goofy, uh, Mickey mouse one that took place in a haunted house. Was it the one where they're going after those ghosts, the white ghosts with yeah. like the hat? And the, yeah, it's probably just so. the. It was like was a storybook adaptation of that. Yeah, know? there's like there's like three or four ghosts, and they all have distinctive like they're wearing hats, and they're like you know there's a fat guy, there's a thin ghost, and all that kind of thing. Is, it, is there a spoiler? Does it end up being like the Beagle Boys? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that, yeah, that's that's what they probably are. The Beagle so Boys, yeah, you know, so they, I guess this was just like a, know, a like a book, adaptation, a book and tape adaptation of that story, yeah. and that was all. Again, that was like a very huge prized possession. You know, and, and, and along you know those storybooks, which ties into like you know some of the stuff <clears> like the storybook for the black. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot of they did a lot of marketing at the time, and in, in Ernest Borgnine's biography, there he was like basically, you know, they wanted to jump on the bandwagon and merchandise, make a movie that they can sell shirts and toys and stuff. And Disney, a lot at that time, would do that, and especially in the '70s, which we alluded to in the Flight of the Navigator cast, 
they were re-releasing a lot of their stuff in their vaults. And then yeah. uh, along with doing that, they can have a lot of tie-ins. They can have Bambi, yeah. the fucking video sure. game. Now, so, what I was going to say is <clears throat> kind of where I was going with it. Yeah. Is that, okay, this is a Disney movie. And one, you say, and this was like kind of off. This was like a tangent where you say, well, like, you know, you can cough it up like, hey, it's Disney. But, you know, as in terms of if you see flaws. Me, I would think that, you know, Disney... There's a certain bar, yeah, exactly, on a certain aspect where, like, if there's a flaw, like you say, like it's Disney. Disney should know better, than yeah. That. And you, and you <laughs> but know that, what? That's a complete side tangent, but it's a complete breakdown here because there, there's, there's, they go right and left here. Where, yeah. where I think that you cannot flaw them at all for their visual. Oh yeah, but they I mean, completely it's, forget about the script, and I think yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's a, it's a, it's one of those problems with too many cooks in a kitchen. But you know? my point about it being and that's us considering it a bit of an unorthodox Halloween choice because it's not, I don't think most people would consider this a horror movie. No. But it's a very conventional story in that we've seen this plot before. And even afterward. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, before, but it's, I mean, yeah. before this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, before us right now. Uh, and though a lot of those movies are horror movies, yeah. like you take, you know, basically in the, in you know in a very small way, there's a a, a a ship with a crew comes across an abandoned ship, yeah, or a ship that thought was thought to be lost, thought to be lost, you know, and uh, in this case, there's not like a distress signal or anything, but it's something that it's like this ship's been been lost, and they come to like this ship. Now we you look at. Uh, same year Alien comes out, yeah. 1979, where they're they're uh, answering a distress call to an abandoned ship. Um, and then we go into the 90s, Event Horizon, yeah, which, which, is, is, which deals which, a lot with a lot of this. It's, you it's, know, almost, it's almost like the serious version of this. Yeah, movie. it's like they remade this as a horror movie in a yeah. lot of ways. It'd be very much about black holes, and, and they're going to find... A ship yeah. that was lost, which suddenly appeared again, and and with this movie, it's basically they're a uh, they're a crew on a on a little ship called the Palomino, and they're out doing scientific things, and they you've got about maybe six crew members, you have two pilots, you have uh, two science officers, and you have like a press guy, and Borgnine plays like the the the, the reporter who's stuck on yeah. the ship, and they're on their way back, and they come across this anomaly, and it's this huge fuck off black hole, yeah, biggest yeah. black hole they've ever seen, and then they realize. You know, black holes can suck anything in. They realize but there's on the horizon, just sitting there perfectly. And they're like, what is that? And they're like, it looks like a ship. And it's like, you know, it's just sitting there. And then they go through their schematics and they find out it's this ship called the USS Cygnus. And it's been it's been lost for 20 years. They, they, it was it was uh, it was commanded to come back and they never heard from it again. Sure. And then we find out that the, the female officer who's the science officer on the ship, her father was on. Yeah. He was the he was the first in command, not the captain, but the first in command. And um, that's where the mystery, it's one of these mysteries, like, sure. let's go investigate. And but that, then, but, so my point is, even though this might not be considered a horror movie, it's a very much a horror story that has been recycled over and over again. Yeah. And it gets pretty horrific. There's, there's something about, like, the cold scariness of space. And that how will, Disney that, does it as That well. will always be frightening. And yeah. then, of course, there's the ending, which we'll get to. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, that year, you have in itself everybody was going to the stars you know you have james bond moonraker is out 79 also the score done by john barry yeah you said sided alien on tv you have battlestar galacta you have buck rogers 
Um, Star Trek. Star Trek the motion picture. And there's a dichotomy there, which is very interesting. Like, again, you present the bar you think Disney would be at. Disney picks for this movie to, to, to a director named Gary Nelson, who really didn't do really anything. Yeah. He, his prior thing, he'd done Freaky Friday for them, which was actually... It was a, like a remake. Yeah, and it was a quite successful film for mm-hmm. them. And he had done something else for television as well, which the name escapes me. And they decide, okay, he'll be great. He was the second choice after the other guy, uh, Hoff, Michael Hoff, who was did the first Escape from Witch Mountain. And then... He, they got him, and it, this was in de- development for so long, his option ran out, so they put him to do the sequel to Rich, Witch Mountain, Escape from Rich, Witch Mountain, or Return to Witch Mountain was the sequel. So he went off and did that, and they got Gary Nelson. And, you, and then for Star Trek The Motion Picture, they go and they pick Robert Wise. And you would think that would have been switched, that yeah. Disney would have thought, let's get someone like Robert Wise to do this movie. And then Paramount would have said, hey, you know, we, we can get Gary Nelson to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. you know? So, so there's, a weird, yeah. there's a weird switch of Maru there. Robert Wise is a oh, legendary legend. uh, filmmaker, was an editor on Citizen Kane, but <clears throat> did... Uh, uh, it's funny because like his biggest movies that you are most recognizable are musicals, but he wasn't like a musical specifically no. a musical director. I mean, he did the Sound of Music and West Side Story, but a movie that's near and dear to our hearts is The Haunting, Haunting. the original Haunting. He did the Sam Pebbles, which is a great Steve McQueen, uh, Richard Crenna, uh, Candice Bergen movie. So we're talking about like getting you know, Robert Wise to do a space movie to do. A, a movie based on a television show yeah. that's been off the air for 10 years would be like, I don't know, having... Not even Spielberg. Having, like, Sidney Powell... Not, not, uh, uh, Sidney Lumet do, like, uh, yeah, for, 21 Jump Street. Or, yeah, or, yeah, or Babylon <laughs> 5, you know, something like that. It's like, you know, yeah, it's a real... Because they were, um, not to get him down on a Star Trek tangent, but they were just looking to reboot that as a TV show. Then Star Wars, the big elephant in the room for this cast. Yeah. Star Wars comes out in 77. They're like, fuck it. We, let's not make it a TV show. Let's make it a movie. Star Wars comes out, and like we talk about, and we mentioned it, obviously, in the Batman cast, but like Batman did for our generation, Star Wars comes out and changes everything. And that really... Um, we owe I mean, it to Star Wars, and to of get course this we movie. talk about it in Last Starfighter. I mean, it is—it's a movie that you can't not mention. No, yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's for for generations. It's like pre-Star Wars and post-Star Wars, and that really got us out of the disaster era of the '70s into this other era. And for us, we cite that Batman, like Tim Burton's Batman, for us is like pre-Batman, post-Batman for our generation. And prior to this movie, technically was conceived prior to that. It came out, it, it was thought of in, in 74, two guys came to Disney with an idea called Space Station One. And it was because in the 70s, we talk about in the Towering Inferno podcast, disaster movies were huge. They wanted to do a Poseidon venture in space, basically a space station that gets hit by a supernova and they got to get off of it. And uh, they shelf it until like 75. They rename it Space Probe One, then Sp- Space Probe. And they, like I said, we get the guy, John Hoff from Escape from Witch Mountain. They want to direct. Uh, to, uh, they bring a conceptual artist in, Robert T. McCall, who is a very, he's like the world's premier space artist, and he does some conceptual work on it. And uh, it gets kicked around. One of the producers die, and then they bring Richard, uh, I'm sorry, Peter Ellenshaw in. And Peter Ellenshaw is a is a legend in the world of Disney, in the world of movie making, in the world of matte painting. Uh, his his influence we can get into uh, as we go on. So he gets in, and they're kind of still like you know kicking it around, and then 
they bring a writer in, uh, Jeb Rosenberg, who really his only credit was a, a Junior Bonner, which is a Steve McQueen, uh, 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 Sam Peckinpah movie, and it's a very lighthearted Sam Peckinpah movie. It's not a very violent one that we know him for. And they get him to, to try to... Which brief- Borgnine is in. Yeah, uh, no, no, Borgnine, no, 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 no. Not no. in that, but he's, he's in, in um, the other Peckinpah movie. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying there's a Peckinpah connection. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, of the, <laughs> the Wild Bunch. He's, he's Borgnine in the Wild, the wild Bunch, which is an, a, a very... Uh, crazy uh defining movie so they bring him in and jeb rosenberg is like listen this is what's going on the problem that this is now we're at like 76 and he's like the reason why this shit is being stuck in like limbo is because you keep bringing all these new writers in to try to develop it and you give them like three months to do it and then you come back and we all discuss he's like why don't everybody just we need to get weekly updates we'll sit in a room once a week see what we come up with and we'll go from there and peter ellenshaw Who's brought in to be the uh, the production designer and the I think the maybe the art director or the technical director yeah. agrees, and then once uh, then they, they start to do a new structure with it, and then around seventy six seventy seven they they drop the disaster uh, angle of it, and they're like let's just try to rework the structure, and they really narrow down the crew so it's a limited cast. And they want to concentrate on it being very visual, you know, because Disney at the time, they want to do everything, the, 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 they do it the best. So yeah. They want to concentrate on doing everything very good. And then around 77, you know, Star Wars drops. And Star Wars is huge. And Disney's like, we have this fucking property that we've been yeah, languishing yeah. for three years. Let's get this fucking thing going. Yeah, yeah. So they, they get Gary Nelson by this time to get on board. And, um, you know, they, they, they end up uh, coming up with this movie called The Black Hole. And then they... they, they Focus the movie around the black hole, and instead of turning it into from Space Probe One or Space Probe, they they retitled the black hole, and that's when they get into production in '77 for the black hole, and uh, that's where we are. And then then it just starts off at, at the momentum of that, and they're like three or four years of of production, and it's and it's mind blowing the amount of. Uh, there's about 500 to 600 effects in this movie. Oh, it is told. a visual spectacle in the very best way and, um, you can imagine. They have, in the, at the end of the day, <clears throat> they have five, uh, 158 matte paintings in the film, for this film. And to give you some perspective, for the original Star Wars, there's, uh, I don't know, there's kind of conjecture. There's 13 to 15 matte paintings for Star Wars. And then for Empire Strikes Back, there's only 85 to 90. And like I said, for the black hole, there's 158 matte paintings yeah. just for this well, movie that's alone. That's kind of like, you know, that's kind of Disney's thing. Yeah. Well, and also the the big thing with this movie, as well as the the Star Trek movie, these <clears> are <throat> those two movies are the last examples of the classical definition of a studio film. Disney did the film completely on site. They didn't outsource anything. Not the special yeah. effects. Not the music. Whatever they did, everything at that Burbank studio. Everything was done under them. And then, they, you know, after that, and I think Star Trek did the same thing at Paramount. And after those movies, that's when you started, you know, the studio system was kind of broken up. And then stuff yeah. started getting farmed out, visual effects, special effects, miniature effects, sure, whatever the hell. Uh, and also, to bring John Barry in, this is like one of the last movies that has an actual overture. Yeah. You know? There's an overture at the beginning of the movie, which has been, I think, in like the 2005 or six edition of this movie that they've tacked on, but which used to be deleted from when they showed on TV. And it probably was deleted from the home video version I saw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> some of you out there, some of these youngins, I mean, it's not even overtures for the most part weren't really a thing even in our youth. No, I can think of because this was the last. If this was the, you think of this was the last movie as an overture. I mean, there was there is one 
at the top. I mean, it might be the last one John Barry did, but there is one at the top of, uh, like, uh, Tarzan, The Legend of Greystoke, or whatever. Oh there, yeah, there is what's his face, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, there's a there's an overture on top of that, but there would be this like segment of the movie before the movie started, where just the score would play. Now, in the version, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the it starts over black with the overture. Yeah. Whereas in some cases, and I don't know if it's just the video release, like for instance, the beginning of the Tarzan movie, it's like a still shot of like the jungle with the word overture. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my, my edition has like a very digital uh, rendering. It almost looks like one, like an old Casio clock or watch. Yeah. This is like uh, black hole overture, you know, like written in that font. And then it's like about four minutes long. Um, You know, like West side story had a big long overture and it was, that's actually a really interesting visual. I mean, if you still go and see like, you know, Broadway shows or, or, or shows, you know, an overture basically is just a preview of all the different, like, you know, um, Cuts of music you're going to see in the in the picture in the picture of the. I play guess or it's whatever. just to like get everybody going, like quiet. sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, we're you know we're warming we're, up the the orchestra as well, you know, and we're going and and uh, that you know that's basically what it is, and it, it just gives you a preview of what you're in store for the different movements, the different themes, yeah. the different um, things, and then if we're going to start chronologically here, then it stops and you have this grand opening, and I have to say I absolutely love this the john barry theme the main title theme for black hole yeah. to this day it's still one of my favorite uh soundtracks of all time just that uh piece of music the dun 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 dun, dun. i find it so breathtaking so powerful uh, i like i fall in love with it maybe that's just back to my youth just listening yeah. to it and it's just so powerful and what's going on and then the brass and it's weird at the same time he did a movie which is really another one near and dear to my heart raised the titanic which came out in 1980 which he also does the the yeah. music for and there's a lot of similarities we mentioned i mean john barry is probably best known for his work on 007 the, the bond he think he did like 11 bond movies he, yeah. he did like zulu he did a whole bunch of movies uh you know throughout his life and he's he's well um really really well regarded um, he did Moonraker the same year as, as this. He did Dances with Wolves. He did Somewhere in Time, which is a, a favorite of yours, a Christopher Reeve. Oh, yeah. Richard we were Ratson trying movie. to think of the name of that movie yeah, one in, cast. in a previous cast. Yeah, and he did, uh, as, did Moonraker, which is uh, this Bond, uh, 79, and then in 80, he raised the Titanic, and there's actual cues in the... the, the in this theme of Black Hole that sound exactly like the Rays of Titanic, you know, the, the brass sections, just sure. the power. I mean, he's got a style for yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And also the opening is, is like at the time, the longest running uh, CGI sequence you had because it's, it's credits are over like a digital rendering of a black hole. Yeah. You know, and, and then slowly you get kind of sucked in and it gives you like a little thing. And then I love how at the end of that, uh, the music kind of tapers off and it's like, it kind of goes into like, and it kind of yeah, like gets yeah. into like the space you like space sounds and then you get this first shot and it's 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 freaking amazing like you set up to their world of space where Peter Ellenshaw who was the designer he didn't want it to just be a black you know space to be just look black so he tried to concentrate on like dark blues and he wanted the ships themselves actually to be black so they did this ingenious way of how they they shot that practically with like punching holes through stuff and yeah, to yeah. light it background and then you see the ship kind of like just which if you're not paying attention, it just drifts in the Palomino and it's just like really ominous, boring and all that kind of thing. And there was a deleted scene at the beginning where it's like Pizer, the co-pilot, he's like um, uh, eating, he's like saying how boring a life they have up there and he's either eating, 
it's either for Thanksgiving or Christmas. He's eating like dehydrated turkey, you know, and that they, they ended up deleting that because they thought it was too slow or whatever. But that's yeah. our opening into the movie. That's and, too slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like, well, you know. That must have been really slow. And, and uh, you know, and that, that's, that ends up being the, uh, you know, and then up to that point. So you had like six years then working on the movie, two producers, two production designers, six screenwriters and all that kind of thing. They had 500 alternate titles and they finally settled on the black hole. Yeah, as the name of the freaking thing, and it's and it's it's interesting that when the movie starts, when they discover they're trying to figure out what the name of the uh, of the ship that they see, the Cygnus, they they do say that it's uh, it's Space Probe One. They go U.S. Space Probe One, the Cygnus, and that's interesting because that was the old yeah. uh, name of the ship, and they originally named the Cygnus like the Centaurus, but the Cygnus is the first. Uh, either galaxy or star system that they discovered the first black hole in. Yeah. So that's why they, they switched the name to the Cygnus. So we kind of, uh, we've addressed the plot up to the point of they find this ship and that it's the ship that disappeared who's uh, the father of uh, uh, McCray. Of our, of our female lead. Yeah, uh, Yvette uh, Mimenux. I can never, Manu, Mimenu. I can never do, do her name right because I, I suck at pronouncing French. Yeah. Mimenu. Yeah, it's one and, of those ones with the E. Yeah, E-U-X. E-U-X at the end. And a lot of people who are sci-fi buffs will know her 20 years earlier. She's in the time machine. She's the yeah. one that he discovers when they're in the future in the time machine. So they were, like, it was like, oh, pretty cool. They had cast a girl named Jennifer O'Neill, and they got about a day or two into shooting with her. And on the way home from the studio, she got in a car accident. They're like, shit. So they, had to, so they got Yvette to come in and replace her. And she does a good job. And, you know, she's, she's in some other stuff, which I can't recall right now. But, yeah. So her father was on board this ship and uh they're like let's go investigate the ship and they go investigate it and it's uh uh they pass the ship they kind of start getting sucked into the black hole it really fucks them up they get crippled and they're able to escape the black hole's force and they get into the zero gravity that they think the the ship the cygnus is is creating so they're like shit you know our, our ship's disabled we have to uh you know stop down land to repair our stuff so if we ever want to get home so they end up landing on the Cygnus. And right before they're about to land, the lights go on. Yeah. And it's another tour de force to me that I think from then until now, you've, I've never seen a ship look like this in, like, you know, in, in space history. It basically yeah, looks yeah. Like, a, like a gothic. Like it's like a haunted house. It's basically taking like 20,000 leagues into the sea and bringing it up into space. Yeah, it's kind of, it's... Uh... It's very like, you know, uh, brutal, kind of like the skeletons on the outside. Yeah, it's, it's a brutalist it's, kind of a structure. Yeah, and it's also like shape-wise, I don't know, it felt it felt very much like a you know, like a like an aircraft carrier or yeah, something. It's, very it's like it's kind of it feels back. kind of military-ish, but yeah, it has like this exoskeleton of like of grade grading yeah, around like, it. Yeah. Uh, it is like it's a very imposing and you're right, it's very atypical of how spaceships are have been presented it's like almost ways. it's like a, it's almost like a victorian kind of a design it's it, i almost feel like in an alternate universe if we ever not if we never got into world war one and the industrial revolution was able to continue like this is what it would become where they they went into space with this kind of like gothic yeah. you know because it's basically just like a haunted house in space they find a fucking haunted house they're like let's go in and investigate and they find ghosts or whatever in it yeah. you know so they 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 end up landing and then you know the, the, the ship turns on they land and then you know uh they kind of find their way up to the to the to the bridge, and they find this one guy still alive yeah, up there. There's one person alive on the ship, yeah, and surrounded by like these a bunch of fucking robots, <clears throat> a lot of robots, yeah. Um, 
and uh, that's Dr. Hans Hans Reinhardt, played by Maximilian Schell. And uh, I think he, you know he's pretty cool. But I love the the right before they see him, you get the first reveal of uh, this big impending robot in the shadows, Maximilian. Yeah. And he comes out and he's like, it's so cool his first appearance because he's in darkness and all you see is kind of his red eye, and he yeah. kind of looks like a Cylon a little bit. And he comes yeah. down, and they're like, oh, my God, is this the fate? It's run by a bunch of robots. And then that's when the melodramatic entrance of hey, Max like, turns around. <laughs> no, I'm here, too. He ma- you know. Michelle, I don't know. I read a review. Somebody was, I don't know how much he was eating up scenery. Oh, yeah. Um, it's very, he's very. Uh, he's a little over the top. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, the, I mean, that's basically the plot in terms of then, like, the plot just progresses of they eventually find out that things are a little off, and then maybe he's not being completely truthful about things and about what happened to the crew, and then he has this plot. Well, he's fascinated with... Now, to get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, um, we, we, we learn that uh, there's a little backstory that's alluded to where... First of all, we learn right before they land that uh, Yvette uh, McRae, Mrs. McRae, she has this ESP yeah. with Vincent. Vincent's this robot that they have. Vincent is like if you can bind 3PO and R2 that hovers. into one unit, but he hovers. And he's, <laughs> and he's really fucking condescending and, and Voiced very annoying. by Roddy McDowell. Yeah, uncredited. Uncredited uh, voiced by Roddy McDowell. And he... Uh, he, they they wanted to make the, the um, at the beginning of it when they were doing the conceptual art, um, McCall Robert McCall envisioned him as like a hummingbird where he'd be able to hover and dart around and stuff like that. But they got away from that design and they wanted to make him small and cute while they wanted to make Maximilian like a very badass yeah. robot. So what they did was they kind of like uh, designed Vincent around being like a circle, very comfortable looking to the eye, where Maximilian. The, the evil very robot is red. He's very angular. He's very hard angled. He's long, whereas you know he's you know. he's red. They actually highlight um, his his rivets or his seams with darker red. Which and they also originally wanted to have like him glow inside. So it was almost like a furnace, so that you could almost yeah. see the red glowing inside. But they didn't go with that. So she has this ESP with the robot, and she's able to to to, to talk to her that way. And there's a backstory where where um, that Vincent is telling the, the, his crew, uh, he, sa- he says, you know, uh, he's worried. He says, a lot of my brother robots were assigned to Project Black Hole to send back ESP thoughts from outer space. A grand, a grand experiment, the scientists thought. So this gives us a couple of things. One where this, it's not unique to just those two, that they have this ESP c- uh, capability. Yeah. Two, that... Something's happened where, for some reason, we're not just looking for life out there. We're looking to search out black holes in particular and discover what the fuck's on the other end of a black hole to the point where we've developed this ESP so that the robot goes in and we can still talk to it. And three, that's kind of the obsession, the reason why when we find out Reinhardt, who when he had orders to to bring this big ship, which is like a mile long, the Cygnus back, he refused because he's sitting on the event horizon of like the biggest black hole in space and he is determined there must be some sort of i don't know world of thought in the future that they want to figure out what's that's why i think anthony perkins who's in the movie also who plays um one of the scientists on ship uh durant he becomes so 
in a minute he's overtaken and I think yeah, yeah. he plays his character very gay I and mean, he's a homosexual in real life or was Anthony Perkins and he plays it very gay and I find their relationship the two of them Reinhardt and, and it, I feel like it's like you look at uh, Anthony Perkins' character he's a gay guy on a ship with a bunch of heterosexuals yeah. and for how many years he's been and then he gets on when he finds this guy and this guy uh, he's, he's not, smitten and he's like oh my god and, and one of the funniest lines I mean this sums up their whole relationship and it, I don't know maybe it sums the whole movie up where it's like um, the, uh, Reinhardt showing he's showing them the power he's made that he's able to keep the ship going and how to keep it there and he, and he shows them down he goes behold enough energy to power the earth and then Anthony Perkins Durant goes you will be remembered as the the great uh, the greatest scientist mind of all of Earth, and then uh, Maximilian Shell has his arm raised and he, he starts to lower his arm. He goes, "I have never doubted that." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's very like it's so funny. Yeah. But uh, but it, now that plays into the subversion that I've never thought of before. For some reason, I don't know why. Until we watch this, and like we always say, we try to like watch the movies when we watch it for this cast with a different kind of hat on. And I never realized that that's fucking probably what's going on between fucking Reinhardt and Maximilian. They're probably yeah. fucking connected through ESP. That's how they're able to fucking... Because I've never understood how Maximilian... I've heard a lot of, a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, chatter, like where the backstory is maybe at one time he was able to talk and he's kind of transcended a level now where he doesn't. Yeah. For whatever reason, that's where at the very end when he's like, no! You know, it's like almost giving evidence to that. And that might be another reason how him and Reinhardt are able to communicate just by looks. You know? Because yeah. at the end of that fucking movie... Well, there's Max no is, reason to talk. No, exactly. That's what I think it is. I mean, He's, they're the only two, like, sentient beings on the ship. Yeah, and if they have a, they have some ESP, you know, why does Maximilian need to give his hand over and, and, and yeah. you know, communicate with these people? So it, it's, it's, there's, there's this huge dichotomy that develops where, like, when everything starts to unravel... And you see the madness of of, of Reinhardt. Reinhardt's like, protect me from Maximilian. You know, he starts saying, or yeah, he's talking yeah. to the you know to to the people on board. And it's it's interesting. They're like, what happened to the crew? And he's like, they never. He he's like, they never got back to Earth. And they're like, no. And he's like, oh, they were a good crew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And your dad was great. Yeah, and he says your they dad. They were good guys. Yeah, your dad decided to stay with me. The ship was there was a meteor shower. The ship was crippled. Uh, your dad elected to stay with me. Everybody else abandoned ship. Your dad died because, you know, shit went down. And now I've been able to create everything. I'm sorry the crew never got back to Earth. But he says about the, 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 the people around him, you know, he, he he says about them that, you know, that they're, they're beings. He doesn't necessarily call them, uh, you know, robots. He says they're just, uh, you know, uh, people he's been able to, 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 you know, make, you know. And it's he doesn't really call them robots he's like i've you know i've kind of just made them so he's, he's kind of a loose to well you know yeah, you don't yeah. really know what they are i never technically lied to you yeah <laughs> you know he says that they're they're uh they're he created companions of a sort to yeah, quote yeah. him so it's like you know so spoiler we find out that all most of these robots anyway a certain breed of the robots all, all i think it's all the even all the, the red ones, guys no, no, no just no, the no, ones no. with like the all the ones with the with the dome face that are in yeah, like yeah. The, the the gown because then th that this is what starts being creepy that it's like why the fuck is this a disney movie because they start, they start to allude to like um on their way back to collect parts uh we have richard 
Robert Forster, who I love in this role, he plays the captain. Uh, he plays a really straight part, and I think he's really good in it. You know, keeping everybody say who's eating up scenery, he's able to yeah, keep it yeah. straight. Keeps it grounded a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he, uh, he plays it very believably. He sees, like, them, the robots performing a funeral, and then later on, Borgnine, you know, he tries to get, he gets away to, like, have a look around, and he finds, like, this, like, huge immense greenhouse that's there. And he sees the robot that's there. He's trying to talk to it. And he's like, ah, you know, they didn't, they, you're not too human enough to talk, are you? And then he looks away and the guy walks away and the guy's limping. So there's all these little hints that like, you know, which I guess nowadays are just like, oh, duh. You know, that's what we're alluding to. But I never, you know, as a little. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily. Because you know, that realization of them, you know, that that realization and the bridge at the end when they, that was fucking horrifying. Yeah, basically what we're saying, spoiler alert, is that Maximilian has taken the crew and kind of lobotomize them. <laughs> yeah. He killed them all, you know. And I would have thought Maximilian would have helped them doing that, but but they, they allude to later on that. Reinhardt, like, I mean. Yeah. Well, that's his name. Oh, Maximilian's yeah. show. Yeah. Um, that it he gets made confusing all those, because the robot's name is Maximilian. <laughs> and the actor's name, name is Maximilian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you learn that there's, 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 they have a bunch of red centuries, and the head of them is Star. He's a black robot. He's uh, System Troops Arms Regiment. And he was the leader. A little cocky. Yeah, he until Maximilian came, and then and so that must mean that uh, Reinhardt made all them first, and they helped overthrow the crew, and then later on Maximilian was made after all that. Because yeah. I would have thought Maximilian would have helped with all his fucking arms and stuff yeah, like that. It's yeah. very freaky. Uh, and there's a lot of weird elements to this because you know we learn Vincent, um, whose vital information necessary, centralized, he's called. He calls himself, he's labor force, the old 396. He meets a guy named Old Bob, who's voiced by great Slim Pickens, yeah. also unaccredited in the role. And he's an older, he says, oh, you're, you're one of the old 28. Very odd choice, I feel. Yeah, and I wonder if it's a throwback to, like, to Dr. Voice, Strangelove, like Kubrick. That. You know, I don't know if it's, like, a throwback to 2001 or something. I don't know. But they want to get across that he's, like, an older model. Yeah. And they they tried they made him a little like older looking and I guess what what happened was, uh, uh, Peter Ellen Shaw and Gary Nelson the director didn't really like what they looked like so they took a bat and they just beat the hell out of the clay until it, it okay that's beat up enough to be <laughs> and then that was it and he's kind of like the last of those kind of robots and he kind of fills in the backstory he lets everyone know what the fuck's going on yeah, on yeah. the ship he's and like, um, looking let me tell you what's <laughs> happening let me tell you what's going on here <laughs> this shit's fucked. <laughs> And you need to get me out of here. Shit hit the fan yeah, a long, long time, time ago. ago. And shit's going fucking insane. You know? Thank and, God you came. Yeah, at least of my problems is what's going on with Star, you know, in there trying to beat me in the fucking shoot-off. Uh, but they have their own personalities, so they have, like, artificial intelligence. But then you, it's it's kind of weird that you think the robots that, like, the, the centuries, they need to socialize. So it's like they have, like rec rooms or it's like you know they're like yeah they're yeah. like walking around because originally in the in the, one of the original older scripts that you know there's a scene in the movie where they go like to a shooting gallery and they're like ah go blow off some steam uh boys and the, and vincent and old bob go in there and they have they have a big uh like shooting match with uh the, the old robot star and uh vincent wins and the other one malfunctions and blows the top and kind of you know overheats and falls over but it was going to re- originally be like a pool game or yeah. like they were going to be shooting billiards and Vincent was going to have like a really um, like fancy looking pool cue and then Star was going to have like a pool cue that he was able to put on his forearm and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's yeah. weird that they're... Why the it hell are they socializing? Because there's, there's, there's no... Like, you get no autonomy from them. I mean, you get no personality from them later on to indicate that they're anything but like an autonomous... Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's a strange... It's a very strange thing because then when like they're trying to raise this issue of like 
and then there's the funeral, and then there's the limping robot, and somebody, I don't remember who says that, but somebody's like, so you're telling me that you have artificial intelligence? That's poppycock. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's like, so yet stupid. their robot seems to have it. <laughs> it's yeah they're like they're, they're just trying to make them a little more human and then it, also it's it's to the point where reinhardt's lobotomized the crew but they're still doing tasks that are somewhat like they're serving food so you can basically say can i have some more pepper please and he's gonna put a little more pepper on until you're done and then yeah. like you know they're they're still going through the the, the the motions of having a funeral so that means they must have some sort of memory of their thing and yeah, then look there's holes, there's holes. You no know, and then there's it's also right out of like the sequel to alien aliens where you know when they go to that to the whatever that forget the name of that planet is the colony and you know they're looking through the barracks and you find you know robert forster's looking through the barracks trying to find everybody yeah, everything's yeah. like perfectly clean you know I, I almost find like aliens jim cameron's like that's a throwback to that when they're looking through those <laughs> yeah, barracks yeah. you know and yeah you're right and what ends up happening is that there's a lot of fucking plot holes in this movie and it just turns out to be they wrote the script without having an ending and they even said like they go through the black hole that was written yeah, and they didn't yeah. know what the fuck to the point where with the merchandising like we said there's uh you know they, it goes their own ways where the comic book addresses it like there's like a three or four issue comic book where the first two issues are just the adaptation and then the, the next two are like them coming out and dealing with another uh, form of life they meet or alternate universe. They meet alternate versions of McCray, her father, or Reinhardt. And then there's a promise of an issue five that never comes. So it's 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 very weird that they just didn't know what the hell. And it evidently, uh, you know, the director, Nelson, and Peter Ellenshaw came up with the ending. And it seems like it's just them slapping on an homage to 2001 for kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just want to, and it's very much like religious. That's where it gets into like it being much a heavier film for Disney, where it's like it's so fucking dark. There's all these re religious undertones and overtones. Yeah, I mean, plot wise, I mean, so uh, Reinhardt's big plan is that he's going to drive the ship into the black. Yeah, hole. he's been sir, he's been sending like a, a remote probe out and coming back with information. He has them all over for dinner. Let me tell you what's going on. And they're in this very Victorian dining room, and he's like telling like you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go in, through, and beyond. And that, yeah, that, yeah. that's his fucking... And, like, and everyone's that, like, are you fucking crazy? And then the thing is, like, Anthony Perkins, he's, like, you know, smitten by uh, Reinhardt, but also, like, I think also on the kind of intellectual level. And yeah. he kind of wants to stay. So that's kind of... And that's really like, what's going on. And but then there's they're, like, but they're also there to just fix their ship. You yeah, know, they're like we just want to fix but our ship. But that's like, and he's also like, well, you know what? That's good. That's cool because I'd like you to get off the fuck off my ship yeah, so get, you can get watch. The hell out of here! I want you to watch me do this. Yeah, and document it. Watch me. Yeah, you're gonna see me do it. Fuck Anthony Perkins right here, and you're gonna love it. Hey, 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 hey! There's hey, a lot whoa, of moments whoa. there where the two of them are just like, you know, thank you. You know, he's like he's like Anthony Perkins. Like, and then out of like I don't know, maybe I missed something. And then like out of shit nowhere, just starts going down. Like ash, like a meteor shower. Oh yeah, you know what? Shit starts going down where they're like, it's like what the what the, the timing? God you know, damn it! Well, because what happens is, uh, old Bob fucks everything up. Old Bob gets him alone. He's like, listen to this. I'm gonna tell you what the fuck's going on. He's like, you know what's you left of the you're crew? Not, you're not gonna believe. <laughs> you this. ain't gonna believe what this motherfucker's seen. All right, get it, Jack. And he's like, you know, he killed most of the crew. That's those people and then like you know robert force like we can't leave them he's like he's like that's their only release he's like you got to get out of here and he's all right he's like um let's finish the repairs uh and you know he, uh at the time perkins is up on 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 the bridge with um 
what's her face, Mrs. McRae. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Robert Forrester, who has like his Pizer, who's Sam Bottoms, the character, the co-pilot. There's a really weird, like t- to me, it's like a Jack Webb, like Harry Morgan dragnet kind of a quality. They're very like straight with each other, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then there's also kind of like a relationship. Like you could see like Robert Forrester a little, there's a little romantic you know, there's a deleted scene, I guess, at the beginning before all this happened on the Palomino where they were doing something, and but they thought, like, ah, why, why do we need to include that? It's already as crazy yeah. as it is. So he's like, all right, let's get all this shit together. Let's get the fuck out of here. Bob, you can come with us. Um, Vincent, fucking tell what's-her-face to get the yeah, shit yeah. back. Tell her what's going you know, on. No, but first, first she's, like, t- he's like, tell her what's going on. Tell, tell her to come back. And she's like, oh, I, I want to come back, but fucking Anthony Perkins has got a heart on for fucking, you know, he's all over him. And like Anthony Perkins, is like you're you're beautiful, and Reinhardt's like, thank you. You know, it's like oh, a lot of that, like a lot of like domineering. You know, yeah, yeah. he's just so in love with the idea of what what he's doing. And like I said, it must go back to the future land where they're. This is, must be a huge thing in that world where they're they're so fascinated with they're sending well, space there's something probes about out, like you know, there is a line. Where they they discover the ship, and she's like, "That's the ship my father was on." Above a bond, they're like, "Well, what was?" Well, she's. I think she seems to know before before but, they. You know, she's like got almost like her hand. But there's over her this mouth. line that's like they were sent out here to find. To, 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 I think to find the just out. This, this, their, no, but she's like she's like the same. She's like, well, what were they out here for? It's like for the same thing we're out here. Yeah, for, they're just looking is, for, I guess, new life or whatever. New and, life or like I couldn't. I don't remember if it was new life or like inhabitable. I don't know. I, I don't see. I think it lends more either new life or they're just it's trying to find. It's more of like an exploration yeah, of Star of just, Trek, seeking out new lives and new civilizations. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's more of an emphasis on like black holes and stuff for some reason because they're all like, like they But that doesn't have anything to do with life, but you're right. Vincent says that the mission, that it's their mission the f- was the black hole mission. Yeah. So I, I don't it's know. It's very confusing. It's all very much, and it might be because. I don't know. That's like the thing. I was like. Because they're, they're, it's never brought across the only time they ever bring up aliens is because when they first discover the ship they think it's like an, an alien race of robots and he's like aha no it is not <laughs> spins around yeah. his chair. I'm he's Captain been sitting Nemo here the, of the whole Nautilus. time yes I mean not Nemo of the Nautilus uh, Reinhardt of the Cygnus and that's the only time in life so it seemed like they were just out there just to, to explore new uh, star maps and to find like, like you know they want to and then the other big contention here that like my uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says this is the most idiotic movie ever. Yeah, like scientifically, yeah, it's the it's most horrible. And you know, I have a big bone to pick with him because he did that Cosmos documentary, which was so fascinating. But then he really likes to stick it to you that fucking there's no God, you know, yeah, yeah. as opposed to like uh, uh, Carl, um, what's his name, who did uh, you know the, the Jodie Foster movie, uh, 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 Carl, um, the Contact guy. Yeah, yeah, him. I can't think of his name. He did the original Cosmos documentary. Yeah, yeah. And he tippy-toed around. He was like, you know what? If there's life, we may not know how it... You know, he kind of like just said, maybe, maybe not. He lifted ambiguous. Where Miles deGrasse Tyson's like, huh, there's another reason why there's no fucking life, assholes. There's no God. This is it. You know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he like throws it in your face. So he's like, he's saying how idiotic this movie is. And they give the example like, or, you know, they're talking Perkins and, and Reinhardt are talking. He's like... Uh, we might have to deal with an Einstein Rosen bridge, and that's yeah, basically yeah. like what an event horizon yeah, is, like yeah. a wormhole. And then, you know, it's like Tyson it's, calls it the uh, the most scientifically inaccurate movie of all time. Yeah, you know, and you know, you're right. You think they did have an astronaut, an ex NASA astronaut, as a Disney uh, liaison for the parks and stuff to do rides. So you think they would have had gotten some stuff right, but it just seems like. For some reason, artistic license took over for integrity, and that's at the end of the movie when like the ship starts falling apart. 
um, you know, the, the holes breaching, and all of a sudden, like, how are these fucking people breathing? That <laughs> the problem was on set, the actors didn't want to wear the, the the costumes. Yeah, they're like, no, we're not going to wear that shit. So they're like, ah. and it seems like you think that they'd be like, you'd be like, no, you're wearing the fucking, you know, you're yeah. stop telling us what to do. But so you had to like give artistic integrity away for like the suspension disbelief of, of, of the. I don't know. That stuff was the least of yeah. my worries when it came to this movie. So uh, once. You know, uh, old Bob fills him out on what's going on. They're like, tell her what's going on. She's like, I'd like to to, to come down, but fucking Perkins is all over this guy. Yeah, like a cheap yeah, suit because yeah. he hasn't seen another homosexual in <laughs> six, seven years. And then and then Robert Forrest is like, all right, tell, tell her, her why. Tell her what the fuck's going and on. And she's now. like, oh. and she's like, uh, and it's so funny. She's like, uh, can I speak to you a moment? And he's just like, remember what I was telling you the other day? Yo, <laughs> It's going down. Yeah, this, 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 this motherfucker's crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is the crew. And then Perkins doesn't want to believe it. And then there's that reveal where he turns one of them around, and then it's like the music crescendos, and he takes the thing off, and he goes like, <laughs> and it's yeah. freaking frightening. The eyes are all fucked up, you know. And then like, you know, uh, Reinhardt's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is going I? on over here? Yeah, they would, they would be all dead." And I love. It's so, like, ominous, and it goes to, like, you know, to me, Maximilian's, like, one of the greatest villains of all time, the robot, because they pan up in one shot of what's happening there, and they pan up to, like, where his, his little, like, uh, station is, and he hovers, like, say, like, 20 feet in the air, and they pan up to him, and he kind of looks down like, shit, <laughs> they know what the <laughs> fuck is going on. So they, at this point, Max uh, Reinhardt is giving Perkins all his notes, and he's like, take these with me. Take, you know, Mankind, even though he doesn't want to come back because he hates Mankind. Yeah, yeah. He's still saying, you know, smarter men than me will be able to decipher this stuff. All my calculations, my my theories are in this this big old fucking journal. So Perkins is like, let's get the fuck out of here. They run to the to the elevator. Maximilian comes down. And, and Reinhardt's even like, yo, Maximilian, what you doing, <laughs> Chill man? Out, Put man. the gun away. Put the gun away. And Maximilian turns around, tucks a blade out. And this is like Disney movie, mind you. Yeah. He fucking turns his blade on. Goes right into Perkins. Perkins hides the girl, puts the journal up, goes right through the journal into to, to Perkins, yeah. and you see in per- Perkins' face, yeah, like, <laughs> and then he flies off, and, and of course there's no blood. Okay, yeah, yeah. but still, he fucking kills the fucking guy, and then Maxim, then Reinhardt runs over, is like Maximilian, and he looks, you hear like, bzz, 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 like f- fainter, bzz, 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 and his body falls. Like he was a good man, and it's like then he runs up to him, he's like, you know, protect. Yeah, yeah. That's and then, like my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, he's like that line. He's like, you gotta fuck. Yeah, he's like, this shit. <laughs> you think I'm crazy? So you think I'm crazy, motherfucker? Well, listen to this. You know, it's like, what the hell is going on at this part? So it's like, is he? So it begs the question here: that is Maximilian? Is he really the one pulling the strings on everybody? Yeah, is he one? Is he pulling the strings? Two. He's like, he has, it's almost like Skynet. He surpassed the human intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And he's just keeping this guy around because the, he's the eccentric that made us. And he's like, that's why I'm not, I don't even need to fucking talk anymore. I've yeah, transcended yeah. that. We have this t- ESP. I'm not going to talk yeah. to you anyway. I'll, I'll just, I'll talk to you in your dreams. You're so beneath me, I'm not even going to yeah. muster up the energy And has he been just like, he's been letting this guy, he's been like almost like. You can go, pretend like you know what's going on. Yeah, but I'm, I know what's going on. But it goes back to like the last Starfighter with those, with the bad guys and that. Or is he just like letting him do whatever he wants to do up until the point of him taking him into the black hole? Is he really like, is. At this point now, does he even care about going into the black hole, or is he more worried about their little microcosm world on the ship? You know, so uh, 
everything starts going down and they're like, fuck, you know, she's on, and she says like, you know, I hope the black hole is your fucking grave to fucking Reinhardt. And then from, from there, Reinhardt's like, one minute is like, protect me. He's like, fucking take her to the infirmary. You know what? Fuck her. (laughs) Fuck you. That was uncalled for. (laughs) Go lobotomizer. So they're going to take her to the hospital and she's going to get a lobotomy and she's going to be like one of the crew. And it's, it's, it's like, there's no, he doesn't even try to talk himself out of it. He's like, fuck it. I don't care. You know, yeah. it's the first fix her in the sleeping bag and the silver sleeping yeah. bag with a with a big old piece of aluminum foil on her, on her <laughs> the on a swimming sw- cap, silver you know? swim cap. And it's on. like it's the first piece of tail he's seen in like thirty years, and he or twenty years, and he's gonna fucking lobotomize you know her. The first, you know, my way with I you. Right yeah, I ain't taking any shit from no woman. <laughs> <laughs> so one one piece. You know, there was this part of me that's like, if you think of a movie like uh, the Tarkovsky movie Solaris that got remade. Um, with George Clooney yeah. by Soderbergh. Did he direct that? Yeah, Soderbergh did that. You know, this guy who's like alone. And then even like a movie like Moon. Yeah, with, with, uh, uh, with Sam Rockwell. Like this idea of uh, like being alone and like going crazy, you know, from the isolation. Well, it's like almost like also well as the Bruce Dern movie Silent Running. Yeah. Where it's like him and just all these robots. And yeah. that's kind of what happened to... But he has... Uh, but he's but but he point is like there of, was it like it hearkened to me like this was is this like the sequel where like now he they're found and the, <laughs> you know and this guy's been here for so long by himself but at the same time like then you well you by the end like, you yeah. see the reveal then you're like oh he's been he yeah, did this to himself yeah you know? but I wonder if his madness is that he can't really relate he's trying as much as he can which is a classical story he's trying to relate to the to to humans now but it's only to go so far and. Once he gets some back talk from her, he's like, fuck her, send it to her for me, lobotomize her, I can use her as a fucking sex toy if I want, yeah, or if I'm gay. We'll yeah, so they're sending her down to the infirmary, and then uh, we talk about Robert Forrester, who kind of has a liking for us, like, shit, we're going to go save her, and at this point, Borgnine's like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> you know, and uh, you know what, uh, you got to give it to Borgnine, at the beginning of the movie, when they're having problems on the Palomino, and they're getting sucked into the, um, to the black hole, there's a scene where Pizer... Something happens and he starts floating away. And Borgnine's like, "Grab my leg!" And he saves him. So uh, Borgnine's not a total douchebag, but I think yeah. it's like you you get into a situation which is very truncated because of the, the timing of the movie, where they're under such stress. You know, they're making irrational decisions. So they're supposed to like Borgnine and and Pizer, uh, Joseph Bottoms uh, or Sam Bottoms. I keep saying Joseph. There's two different actors. Um, he. Uh, Joseph. Joseph Bottoms. Sam Bottoms is the guy from Apocalypse Now. Uh, Joseph Bottoms, they're like, protect the Palomino. And robots come the centuries, they, they get into a fight, and then Borgnine does the old, oh, I hurt my leg trick. Ouch. Yeah, ah, I can't make it. And he's like, go on without me. And then as soon as Bottoms runs away, Pizer, Borgnine gets up and he's fine. Like, Fuck, Fuck this haul, shit. Hauls ass. <laughs> hauls ass like, in there. And he, feet don't fail me now. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> gets in there and he's like, fuck you guys. And it's like, you know, he's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. You guys are fucking crazy. See you, Jack. And he's like a reporter. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to fly this. I'm taking this ship home. And it's cool. I think he's got a sweet end. This, his demise, sadly, spoiler, he dies. But um, uh, once, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Reinhardt realizes what's going on. He's like, I think it's time for us to liquidate our guests. De- uh, our guests, and that's very much a line where he's a German, and liquidate is very much like a, a World War II term for what they did to the Jews. So it's very interesting they use that word. Yeah, he yeah. says that to Max, like it's time for us to liquidate our guests, and he's saying let them let them get far na- far enough from our ship yeah. and blow them let out of the sky. Yeah, and, and it's like I'm surprised I didn't think of that. But Borgnine gets into the ship. He turns on. He's trying to fly away, and and. 
he hits that zero gravity. It's just kind of cool. Like he's not like like seatbelted in, so he's like flying up. Yeah, I would to say it. that the 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 wire work or whatever of the weightlessness of this movie yeah. is pretty impressive. It is, but at the same time, it's it it really painful at points. You could see the wires. Yeah, yeah. Like it, this movie begs for a remaster where they go in and they just clean up some of the wire work, and they yeah, did yeah. the best they could. I mean, Borgnine brings up in his biography as well the first idea. What Disney, like we say, doing things the right way, was they were going to shoot the whole thing in zero gravity, yeah. and and that was how it was pitched to Borgnine, and Borgnine said yes right off the bat. Yeah, he's like, fuck yeah, and he's like, and then his wife Tova was and like, are you the, sure like you're going to want to do that? Comment like they did with the Apollo 13. Yeah, and that's what later on, that's what Borgnine also cites in his bio. He says they, you know, you know, Ron Howard did it, you know, 20 years later in Apollo 13, but they just realized it'd be cost prohibitive to shoot the whole fucking movie up there, so they ended up using wires. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wires are scary to work with. Well, how everyone... it works is that the, a plane goes up as high as it can go, and then it just nosedives. Yeah, you get into the stratosphere, and then uh, you get you hit zero gravity. But you, but no, but it's like as it, the weightlessness comes when you from the nosediving back to Earth. Like if you're on a roller coaster. You get that. And you're going down the hill, and you get that feeling in your in your guts. Yeah. Like tingling. That's because you're weightless. It's It's your... At that moment, your guts are not weighted down by gravity, and that's the weird feeling about it. So like, an astronaut feels that all the time. So, But because it's they go up and then they come straight down, you can only shoot... The, you're actually only waiting at, weightless for like four minutes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so you, you, you can imagine how crazy, you know, how many takes Before you have to, to write the plane back. And then you guys come back down, and we gotta go do another take, and go back up. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, so you and, can only shoot... That's why it's like it's such a small scene in Apollo 13, because... You sit there, you have to keep on going up and down, and you can only shoot for like three, three and a half minutes or something yeah. like that so at a time. You, if you're trying to do entire scenes up there, it's, yeah, it's like going to be completely... <laughs> and then as well as in the 70s. And also, you know, it's brought up that at the time, a lot of studios didn't have that relationship with NASA or anyway, so you couldn't really get that. Like, yeah, we're yeah. maybe in the 90s. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll do whatever you want. We're not doing anything yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. We're relegated to figuring out what's wrong with cars <laughs> nowadays. Uh, so, uh, yeah... I, fi- I find some of the wire work painful in certain areas. You yeah, can clearly yeah. see it. And other times, they try to disguise it pretty well where they'll just they'll shoot things reverse and, and you're looking for the wires above them. And what they did is they shot it backwards and the wires are actually, they're upside down and the yeah. wires are hanging down and they're doing it that way. So you're looking for the wires above them and it's actually hanging down. So the wire work is good in some scenes and there's not any other, but I think he's got a pretty sweet death where they, 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 they he, he's, he can't hold it himself. He's coming out of the seat. They shoot him. They only knock, and then, like, Reinhardt's like, for fuck's sake, shoot him! <laughs> and they only hit one of his thrusters, and the ship goes into, like, the, yeah. the, the Oh, that the wasn't what we side. wanted. Yeah, it, <laughs> it blows crashes up. Into the, into the... And it, it knocks out their zero gravity. And yeah. that's the reason why, all of a sudden, like you're saying, out of the fucking blue, the meteor shower comes in at them. Because I guess if the meteor shower was being sucked into the black hole, it would have went around them. But because of, they lost zero gravity... But still, the timing is... Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's unremarkable. <laughs> it's like, really? This is the time yeah. of meteor yeah, shower? Like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. I like that that music cue, Barry's cue, when like uh, stuff start to go down, and and Reinhardt sits down. And he's like, Maximilian, take us about, and it's like you hear like, thum, 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 yeah. thum. you know, he that sweet score, and the ship's turning around. So, and then basically it turns into a shootout, and that whole scene where you have like the 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 overture where like there's like twelve fucking sentries lined up, and they have to get by, and Bob, yeah, and yeah. It's, it, I find that. That doesn't hold up at all nowadays. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like really. Okay, Disney. so now we they they end up going to like 
What did they they take the probe? Is that what well, they do? So what happens is, yeah, Borgnine ends up blowing up the Palomino with their on. And they realize, because they get there right when Borgnine takes off. And they're like, you're fucking idiot. And they're like, oh, yeah, he yeah. could have saved us. Like, and, then they, and then he yeah. gets shot down. They're like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of that. <laughs> like, oof. Yeah, he that took, was a close he one. He took one for the team Because even, uh, what's his face? Uh, Robert Joseph, Forster. Joseph Bottoms is like, that asshole. Yeah, and he left like, without us. And Forrester's like, hey, at least we're alive. Yeah, Jesus, mean, fuck you know, that guy. He took one for the team. And then... Um, they realize, oh, we'll go to the pro ship. That's the other ship we can get out of here. And at the time, we have this whole meteor shower, which is, like, you know, wrecking irreversible damage on the fucking Cygnus. Yeah, yeah. And then it gets to that big shot where they have the, um, they, they, they built, devised this whole meteor comes through the ship and, and does, like, basically, which I wonder if Raiders of the Lost Ark, if Spielberg got oh, the idea. Like rolls the, the rolls. Because, you, like I said at the beginning, of what you, they would, that was like, they loved that shot. That was like their coup de gras in yeah. the movie of like that shot of like this big uh meteor rolling down like the almost like a pinball machine and then they come running out the silhouettes and they're just about she of course falls because she's a woman and they pick <laughs> yeah. her up i don't know, know why women can't run yeah <laughs> and then they they grab her and they just get off the catwalk when the thing breaks and you know that and then um at that point the ship is fucked and you know it's it's the, the structural integrity is gone and there's a beautiful shot of like it like floundering and it's like it's all red you know what i'm yeah, talking about yeah. and it's just it like disabled and i love that's like a fucking i can frame that shot and that's when like uh, uh maximilian shell's like fuck <laughs> i should have yeah. thought this thing a little better and then he tells um maximilian the robot he's like go go prepare the probe ship we're going to use that to get out of here and right when maximilian's leaving he gets on the elevator one of the the freaking uh big old uh plasma television they have like 50 feet by 50 foot they have plasma tvs on the ship it falls off and it Oh yeah, lands yeah. on uh, Maximilian Ryan. Shell Reinhardt, yeah, Reinhardt, yeah, and it traps him there. And he's like, Maximilian! <laughs> Maximilian turns and sees it, and the door is just shut. And Maximilian's like, "Fuck you, Jack!" Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing. Like he leaves him to die there. Yeah. And then you know, uh, Reinhardt, who's already insane, is like, you know, help me, listen to me. And then those people, you know, they're all, you know, they're just looking at him, and it's 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 so weird too because. To, to get back, jump back a minute when, when he brings uh, Perkins and, and McCrae to the to the to the bridge to show them stuff before everything starts going down. I never noticed before in the widescreen, but all the crew on the ship, the zombies, are standing, yeah. and they're all waiting for him, like almost like in the old days in Catholic school when the nun would come in the room, you'd stand up. So yeah, they're all yeah. standing there, and then they all come and sit down in unison when he sits there so there, there, there's kind of like a programming there but at the end he's like you know help me everyone help and no one's listening to him and they're all falling and blowing up and this thing starts falling apart and there's various scenarios where they try to like go through the greenhouse greenhouse breaks and there's yeah, the yeah. suction of them getting sucked out and they're trying to make it there and then finally uh, they're, they're like they're like I don't know, like a corridor away from the probe ship and Maximilian comes yeah. and Bob and um, Vincent have this big fight with Maximilian and you, you know and you think that, you know, Bob gets damaged and you think that Maximilian's going to fuck up uh, Vincent. Vincent has a little drill. He's like, aha, and he drills right into fucking Maximilian. He must yeah. disable something. And then you hear that little scream from Maximilian. And then it floats away, and that's like the crescendo there. And then and then they, they, they make it to the... And then, then there's the sad death, which to me, I, I always cried when I was little, the little well, Bob death, where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm gone, you know, please to sell the farm, tell Getting mom to <laughs> do Dr. Z. Don't. No. Sell the fuck. Yeah, no. Uh, and he's like, "Come on, you can, you're a fucking computer. We could just fix you." He's like, "No, you can't at this time." But look at your body. Of course we can. You've been 
All right. And then they get on the ship and then they realize when they take off, they're like, fuck, it's programmed to go into the black hole. Oh, God <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, I knew I should have took a course on navigation. And then they go right into the black hole. And at the same time... So everybody gets sucked to the black hole. Yeah. And um, then there's this huge, crazy sequence of them... Um, going into the black hole where it's, uh, <laughs> or you see that really uh, don't really know what to say about it other than uh yeah it's weird you see like maximilian uh maximilian shell reinhardt dr reinhardt he shows up and he's got like long hair and he's well yeah, i wonder around. if that's because there isn't there like something to do with like the einstein theory of because of uh, you know relatively rel- relativity and and uh you know time travel and stuff that Time works differently at the cusp of a of a black hole, and so I'm wondering if it has something to do with that. There's like some kind of shift in time, and he's aging faster. Well, maybe than he's... that's why because he's got a big. Well, he already had a fuck off beard, but I know, he's, but he's got, got like a big, long, like long. I think it has to do with that, which is interesting that there's no explanation to it. But because I don't think it's 79, people were talking about that shit. I only know this shit from watching like sci-fi sh- science shows now. Yeah, but he, it has uh, something to do with like the gravitational pull <clears throat> of the of the black hole has something to do with fucks with time, and it ends up you you end up aging faster. Yeah, and he time and moves faster. He he's floating around, and he, he meets up with Maximilian. It looks like they lay together. Yeah, they lay, like they like lay, they like <laughs> they like lay lay down together, like they're going to bed together. And then the next shot is they're they're now become one, and he's yeah, trapped. They've in it. merged into one. And then you pull and, back, and, and Reinhardt is his eyes is tra- trapped inside of Maximilian. Maximilian you the can robot. see his eyes through Maximilian's eyes. Um, you know, in that very Shogun esque kind of look that Maximilian has. And as you pull back, you see he's got like all his arms. Out. Yeah, and then yeah. you hear this really like evil like uh very ominous score and as you pull out they're like in hell and you could say it's the the maybe fire the, and brimstone yeah remnants of the ship or whatever and then you see like as they pull back which i never noticed and i didn't notice when i saw the widescreen version for the first time you, i never saw on the, the 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 full screen edition all the people yeah. that are like you know which look like either like damn souls or the people that were on board. The yeah. I was the, this time around, I was trying to watch. I was like, are they the, no, the dome faced people? Cause they've got those kind just... of robes on. But then if you look, they do have faces and it's real frightening. Mm-hmm. And that was all done with like, uh, miniatures and like optical printing, three different. Yeah. It's a, it's a magnificent, you know, visually beautiful uh, like, spectacle. And, of- yeah, it, it's, it's it's amazing. It's I mean, unbelievable. It's like it really <laughs> is like it's the money shot. And then they uh, and then at the, and then the other side of it, you see. Then you, you go to the Palomino crew who are in the probe ship, and they they go almost through like a church corridor, and you see like an angel, and some say that could be her ESP. Yeah, uh, whatever. It's like, yeah, because there's a part of like they're in the ship, and it's like time is weird, and they're you know like. No, oh, then there's a, that great, great montage where everything's going on. It's like, rrr, rrr, and there's all, they're, they're like, it's all like strobish, and that's yeah. fucking great. And it's like they're playing sound bites from the movie, like you're the best, we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. and it's then like it gets freaking. like that. Then they're all like, ah, and then it's like they play with like the angle of the lens, the the you know. Oh, it stops and they like zoom gets, into the it, eye, and the and eye it gets grows. like anamorphic. Yeah. It's like weird, like. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. And then they come out the other side, and then, and then it's they, like you don't know what's. Are they have they all become one? Have they realized? Have they passed through? Have they gone to heaven? There's like light coming through from the outside, and then you kind of see them. Well, you see that there's like some kind of blinding light coming in through like the windows, and they kind of well that. F- but then don't you see the ship outside? And yeah, then flies there's, away to like and an then eclipse. there's like an eclipse. Yeah, it's almost again like 2001 at the end with the baby eclipsing yeah, yeah. the moon. And they they had an idea where they wanted to have it kind of come out and it be like a 
grain of sand or and then you pull out more and you realize it's a piece of paint you come out and it's it's the Sistine Chapel and it was going to be like you know God touching I think maybe David and it was going to pull back pull back pull back pull back pull back pull back and pan down and it's going to be Kate McRae the woman and she was going to be there at the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican looking up and that was going to be the ending and they're like whoa that's a little too crazy <laughs> So they, whoa, whoa, easy, yeah, easy. They, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. The, all the guys in the boardroom said, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're not gonna do that. And they did this ending, which is kind of like everyone's like, what the fuck? And like people hated the ending. I mean, like it's just like one of those. And you know, for a kid, it's like they go to hell and they they uh, they go to heaven. It's like what the fuck? I can't tell you what was going on for a child. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy shit in the movie. I mean, they they, uh, you know, like you said, it's a tour de force. I mean, they they did like you know. 300 animated they had a lot of animation in the movie they animated all the lasers all the sparks all the yeah, engines yeah. all the computer readouts the uh the magnetism effects like that uh the big thing that they did which is interesting is there's the um the di- the uh Dytroflex camera that was made for Star Wars uh by a guy named uh, I think his name is John is it John uh Dytra John Dytra and he did the Dytroflex camera and what they they kind of made it for Star Wars. And basically what it was is it was uh, a, a camera that was able to to mimic a move each time once you showed the, the camera the move. So if you want to do miniature yeah. work... So work like you would basically use a computer that would then... Simulate the move seamlessly. Over and over, and over again, again so that you could do like uh, multiple exposures and... And different layers of exposure, and because it was the same exact move every time, it would be perfect. They did it. They use it in uh, Dead Ringers to, oh. to do oh. the Jeremy Irons. You just ruined twin that for me. Part. Okay, I never knew how they did that because it looks so fucking good. Yeah, John Dykstra did that in 1976. He patented this thing. So originally Disney was gonna was asking them, "Hey, do you think we could borrow it for this movie?" And they're like, "Yeah, but we're gonna you're gonna need to pay a shitload of money to rent it." Blah blah. blah. And then Disney was like, "You know what?" We've had this idea proposed since 1971 uh, on a camera that we want to do. Why don't we just make our own camera? And uh, Disney's like, well, why haven't we made it? And the, and the guy's like, because you fucking assholes, the executives never put the money out. They're like, well, we're going to do it now. So they made this thing called the ACES, which is the Automated Camera Effect System. And it, it was uh, it was unlike the, uh, the earlier motion-controlled cameras that use computers merely to remember shots. ACES could calculate and guide the camera through 20 distinct points of space, uh, controlling 12 access uh, axes of movement, including truck, pan, roll, tilt, focus, and movement of the model stand. The computers could also s- scale camera movements uh, up or down so different scaled elements could be easily composited. So it's the first time you have a camera that was able to calculate and do a move at different speeds. Yeah. And, and this ACES camera that they ended up doing, they, they, they kind of showed like if the Dytroflex was the Model T, the, this Aces camera was like a modern car, and that's yeah, that, yeah. what they were. They came up with this 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 thing, and it was the first time that you, they really used that kind of uh, combination of effects for a movie. And yeah. they they developed that for this movie, and they developed this other thing called the mat scan process, which mm-hmm. was this huge huge uh, achievement for this movie. Where in the old days, with a mat painting with Peter Ellenshaw was was huge, and for people who don't know what a mat painting is, mat painting is just like say if you want to like have a uh, you know a very elaborate background you'd have like you know your 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 principal actor say down at the bottom and then the back if you have like a castle you draw the castle in yeah yeah sleepover terms uh we take a look at john carpenter's the thing there you go and there's the scene where they kind of uh 
you know, McCready and the crew, they walk up and then you see the, sh- the spaceship buried in the ice. Now, what they did was you have them move, walk up on like a white, like the snow white walk up. And then the rest is just a painting. Uh, yeah. And then they paint it. And yeah. what they do is, I mean, you know, sometimes if you get into effects, you can use it with, with like matting it in in post. But literally, it was matte painting is like, it's a, there's a giant sheet of glass. Yeah, and f- on set. On set, in front of all the action. And they paint it. They set the camera angle. Yeah. And then you look through the lens, and you look at your shot, and you have your actor say far away. And then it's, it's in the foreground. You have this piece of glass, and you kind of draw, since it's two-dimensional, yeah. whatever you want it to be. And they would actually paint on set, on the glass, with leaving where the actors are without any paint so that it's clearly shooting through the glass. But then in front of it is, I mean, it is it's a- amazing. And then to the, to the 2d camera, it looks like it's all one shot. And, yeah. and Peter Ellenshaw, who had got to start like, you know, several years earlier, he had retired and he came out of retirement for this movie. And his son, Harrison yeah. did all the matte painting itself for this movie. But he, Peter, cause this was kind of his swan song. He kind of supervised everything for this movie. He was, like I said before, he was the production designer and the visual effects supervisor. Well, he did like, uh, that's what I'm he saying. Did like Darby O'Gill. He, he did, stuff. he did 20,000 leagues under the sea. He did Darby O'Gill and the little people. He did Mary Poppins. He did a lot of those movies. And there's some very impressive, I mean, especially Darby O'Gill and the little people to this day. It's yeah, like, yeah. that's one of the ama- most amazing special effects, uh, you know, forced perspective I've ever seen. But he, Peter Allen Shaw really, 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 uh, perfected that effect of being able to do that but the but as we just said to you the problem with stuff is that the shot always had to end up stationary for you to do that yeah so what they invented for this movie was this matte scan camera where it was an actual camera that would be able to pan and in a shot would reveal a matte painting so that you didn't have to have everything because a lot of times You'd end on a static shot, and people realize, oh, that's fake because you know you could tell they're ending on it, and it's you yeah. Know. But what they did, in, a perfect example in this movie is when they walk onto the bridge and they discover the Cygnus's bridge for the first time. They, you know, you the actors have the backs of the camera. They walk out from the elevator and they look up, and you're on the bridge, and the camera pans up, and all that's a fucking matte painting. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all different things going on. It was creating that. just putting map the concept of matte painting and using motion with camera to yeah. make it uh, more realistic. And it, it, it does. It, it makes it look freaking you know so much more realistic, and it's and it ends up being so much more useful. And and for the technical ingenuity on this movie, it is amazing what they're able to, to, to get done and they were able to do. I mean, even the model work, uh, you know, the, the, it was 12 and a half feet, the, the, the Cygnus, they did two models that weighed 175 pounds. They needed two because one, they needed to be able to do all those shots and have it upside yeah. down. The other one, they needed to blow up because the, the, when the, we went to the Disney, uh, the, the, we saw the, the, the Nautilus. Yeah. <clears throat> they had that thing there and that thing was about it's a shame. They didn't have, I don't feet. remember if they had no, anything they for Black it. Hole. They didn't, they didn't really, they had some stuff for Black we Hole. We went to a museum. Uh, we went to the Reagan library, the Reagan library and they had a, a, a Walt amazing Disney. Walt Disney exhibit. Yeah. Uh, on the, because Reagan and Disney were close friends. And, uh, so they re they recreated like the Walt's office and, um, some other things at the Reagan Library, which was which yeah, they really, had really like cool. the Tron outfits, and they had uh, the you know the miniature uh, pirate ships from the from the pirate. They had all kinds of crazy movie. stuff. They there. had the Nautilus ship, and we go lots into lots of like Mary Poppins well, the, outfit and the, stuff. The Nautilus we saw was like twelve feet long. Yeah. That thing was crazy. I mean, the thing like uh, I was saying here for the Cygnus, they, they you know. The, 
that thing was crazy. That was, you know, 12 and a half feet long, 175 pounds. Uh, they had to build two, one to destroy, of course. And uh, they got nominated for, uh, for an Oscar for, for special effects for this movie, but they were up against Moonraker and Alien. And I don't know which one uh, won. And uh, they did a lot of crazy stuff in this movie. Yeah, Model about, effects, um... you know. And uh, we talked about our Disney trip. Uh, hold that thought. Mm-hmm. In our in our flat of navigator cast, yeah. and we talked about we went to the Burbank studio, uh-huh. and at the Burbank studio, you and I had the chance to go through the animation building, yeah, which was uh, now it's been closed since I think Little Mermaid. Everything post that they're doing a different building now, but the original animation studio. I didn't know that I learned in the research for this movie that at the time when they were making the Burbank studio, um, the they didn't know, of course, the bank didn't know that the loans that Walt Disney was taking out that if this was going to be a success. Yeah. So they had a stipulation that the building had to be made so that if Disney ever went under, that that building could be made, be used as a hospital as well. So that's why uh, the the building has, um, it was the only loan, it was a stipulation for the loan uh, from the bank because at the time Burbank didn't have uh, a hospital in Burbank. So that's why you have like uh, when you walk in, it has this, this huge open area and the, the corridor is like 10 and a half feet long. And it was made so that you can maybe have gurneys. And, oh, wide. And, yeah, well, I'm sorry, wide. Yeah. You know, so you can fit gurneys and wheelchairs in and every like, I don't know how many feet, there was like little banks and that was so that you could put nurses stations in and they set up the staircases so that you can have like different wards and all these different things are made for that. Yeah. And also... Uh, there was this weird ventilation system that that Walt sounded crazy at the time, but they put in at each entrance so that you'd walk through, which would force air up at you, which would get all dust off you. Because when you get into like doing cells, yeah, you don't want any dust on the cells because if any dust shows up, then that could really fuck up the optical printing. Yeah. So, along with doing all that, he actually removed all the freaking hinges on the windows because they didn't want anybody opening the windows to let any dust in. You know, that's how meticulous he was about that. So also on that trip. I believe because we saw the Mary Poppins soundstage. But yeah, we then, did. That was. The, but the, I believe that there was like a recording soundstage, which they did all the, which uh, had a plaque that was like, "This is where John Barry." Yeah, he did a, did the black hole ninety-two piece orchestra he had, and he saw the film twice before he did it, he, and then and then so he we went, did, unfortunately we didn't get to go inside. No, we didn't go into the school. And then they had the the legendary, which they did a lot of this on. They did they had the legendary um, twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Uh, um, big go yeah. uh soundstage what they built to, to, for with an underwater tank which they still use to this day for like the, the pirates of the caribbean movie but for the black hole they used it for to, to shoot the um the black hole itself because uh-huh. they made basically just a big freaking drain yeah and they shot it fast and then and they shot it high and then they just threw different colors in it and they and they, they, they made this thing clear this vortex and they sh- shot light through it so it would light up the the drain and then yeah. when they put colors in it it did all these different colors and all that and they they were able to optically print it a couple times they were said they were able, only able to do that for like two days and then the heat from the lights just cracked the fucking thing but they got enough shots yeah yeah you know and that's how they you were able to get that you know and then you get people like uh, DeGrasse Tyson who slag that off as well saying that's not realistic the black hole and it's like <laughs> well. I think that's one of the coolest things ever. Of course, it's not realistic. But from their ideas that like the black hole sucking stars and everything in yeah, and light, then yeah. that's what it kind of, yeah. that's what they think it kind did of kind you, of looks like. Uh, did you want to talk about the Cinema Fantastic magazine? Oh, they oh the, well they <laughs> when it when it came out in '79 they 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 uh, there used to be this magazine. Yeah, well, it's funny because Cin- it's not even it's not even around anymore. Cinema Fantastic was probably one of the great 
movie magazines about uh Ooh. I guess mostly fantasy, you horror, know, fantasy, horror, sci-fi, sci-fi, fantasy. Um and they they did an a amazing amazing magazine. They did a two-parter on this and they 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 basically dedicate the issue on all the special effects and a lot of the the stuff the research that went into doing this podcast, I was reading that issue and they kind of really just they they want they make a distinction where they want to just really uh Say like it's a great visual movie, but the plot sucks, and they really just lambast it. Like, how dare you, Disney, put a movie out with? Tony <laughs> yeah, but isn't it like <laughs> when you originally told me after you read it, it seemed like it was like you know the, all this all these balls got all these balls got rolling we to do these issues like way before we saw the movie, and we didn't know the movie was gonna fucking. Suck. Yeah, that's how they. Yeah, because they were like you know because Disney. Like, it was like had we known this wasn't gonna be good, yeah, we, we wouldn't have. have done de- we wouldn't have uh, yeah. designated so much time and because Disney's and very notorious. To yeah, that. Disney's very notorious for like keeping things. They don't really do early screenings until right before, and and I guess nobody had seen the movie. They were really tight lipped on the movie verse the ending, of course. So. Uh, they had these huge spreads on all the visual effects, be it like animation, matte, or miniature work, and they go into great detail about that. But in the review, they like really lambast the plot's ridiculous. It's a Mickey Mouse script, uh, you know. Uh, Ernest yeah. Borgnine can't act his way out of a paper bag, and then uh, you know, freaking Reinhardt, uh, Maximilian Schell is so melodramatic. He sounds like a science. It's basically you know, Twenty Thousand yeah. Legions under the sea. This space. huge display. Yeah, like the way you put. Yeah, there's no. There's a. There is an editor at the beginning. There is an editorial by the editor. A note saying, "How do we?" known this thing was going to be such a stinky pile of shit you know and, and then that they, you know all that well they really needed more put more star wars into this and you know because everything at the time like people were just like fucking you know blowing loads to star wars yeah, so yeah. everything after 79 everything was gauged off of star wars yeah, even yeah. star trek anything well so, yeah yeah you know, i just thought that was such a funny and so, it's, so they were just story. so mad that they felt like so let down by the movie and you know I, there's a lot of plot holes and there's a lot of shit going on like we've discussed but for me, it's 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 kind of it's you know it's one half dozen the other. You know, yeah. it's like it's I find it interesting that this was. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I this was even though I had, like I said, the toys and I had the storybook and stuff. This was never like a movie for me until until you and I became friends. Yeah. Um, I find it like endlessly fascinating that you were so. Into this movie well, I think as a, at a young age because it's it's incredibly slow. It's it is like, I mean, it's not really a kids movie. So I don't know. It's just like I can't even imagine what's it's isn't that it, you would that like that you specifically, but that like grab, but that like a kid would would <laughs> would well, be I, so I think it's into because it. It's like because. Um, you know, Star Wars was released at the time, so so much stuff yeah. was about space, TV yeah, yeah. space. You know, and, and uh, I know, but we're talking about. I mean, how old could you have been? I mean, you were born the year it came out. Yeah, so, so I'm seeing it eighty three, eighty four, eighty five. Maybe I'm yeah. watching it. So it's like it's fascinating me because I was maybe such a Disney fan. And I mean, then, they talk about how like kids have such short attention spans, like. But then when you do watch like the peanut specials and stuff, they're slow as shit. Yeah, I get, you know, so it's like it's a weird thing. Where, like kids like, don't have any touch specials, but yet like kids programming at least back then was really fucking slow. Oh yeah, it was really yeah. So at, at the time, it's kind of like well, uh, you know, and and I think you can't really. That's a whole separate argument of, of yeah. matching it up versus today. Like maybe because for me, I think this thing, like you said, it kind of like goes right in. Like it's in second gear, and then. 
right before you even know it, that third act whoo, it just goes yeah, right yeah. into well, freaking it's, it's very it's like it's got a strong open <clears throat> and it's got a strong close and then there's like this hour in the middle just exposition that there's is stuff just going like on. it's just people and just people like I think meandering around and talking about you shit. know where it's like star wars is able to get away with it whatever um suspension disbelief they have because the whole disclaimer at the head saying yeah, yeah. in a fargo land you know far away in different towns yeah, yeah. so a long time ago galaxy far, far yeah away. so they can so you tack that on at the beginning of the movie, you can say whatever the fuck you want. You can do yeah. whatever you want. And then people are going to be like, that's fucking great. But since this movie is somewhat based in a reality, a futuristic reality, then now you have people like you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, it has to be freaking scientifically proven down to the ounce. Yeah. I will say you know, that, you know, okay, we talked about this. We talked about the other space-related movies coming out this year. Uh, not this year, but in 1979. Um to put it into a little bit of perspective, like, you know, we talk about you and I, maybe sometimes, uh, we have talked <clears> about <throat> it on on air, or however you want to say, like, the t- passage of time, and how it's crazy that, like, you and I have known each other for almost 20 years now. But you think about, like, okay, that, if that amount of time, think about, like, people, if you're our age, you'll probably have noticed things just go by so fast. I think about, like, Okay, you've been out of college for X amount of years, and that seems like it's gone so fast. This is only like ten years after we went to the moon. Yeah. Um. So, like ten years of like a decade—that's a pretty long time. But if you think about it, not really. Like, ten years ago you know, was two thousand five. You know, <laughs> you the know party was I mean? coming out, and like, you know, it's, it's like space. Okay, Star Wars, but we're coming off of like a huge like. You know, NASA and and space exploration. We went to the fucking moon. And it's like, it's only 10 years after that. Now, I find it really interesting that, okay, like we've talked about Star Trek gets made because of... Star Trek the motion picture gets made because of the success of Star Wars. This kind of gets finally greenlit and pushed through because of the success of Star Wars. And yet... Black Hole and Star Trek the Next Generation are no, very similar. Star Trek the Motion Picture. Uh, you start, I'm sorry. Star Trek the Motion Picture are very similar and very much going for more of a 2001 vibe. Yeah, because even at the end with, with Star, Viger, Star Wars. Yeah, Viger is There's that whole sequence where Spock is, encounters the whole 2001 yeah. ending. So everyone... It, to me, it seems like you know Disney was making a kid's movie, but then they were... Trying to make it a little well, more for adults. Two thousand one light. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and and <laughs> and it's like diet two thousand one, and it's yeah, yeah. it's weird to to bring it back to why this is a horror cast. There's so much fucked up stuff uh, going on at the time. Disney was for some reason was like in a dark place, and that you know they had a lot of success. They hadn't since like the the mid sixties with Mary Poppins. They really hadn't caught box office fire with their movies. Yeah. You know, they had some hits like Freaky Friday or like um, you know a lot of those kind of like you know the cat. The movie with the cat that's from a, the outer space cat or whatever I forget the name of that game. <laughs> you know, but they have a lot of like you know Pete the Magic Dragon, a lot of stuff that like the love bug. Yeah, we're we're Pete, it, they're popular, but they're not like freaking box office gold. You know, like like Mary Poppins was. And yeah. at the time of this movie, you have Return the Witch Mountain, which is in '78, and that's a pretty fucked up movie. Like you know that they're they're humanoid aliens it was and, remade. Yeah, and you have Christopher Lee as like a bad guy trying to like hurt him and Betty Davis are trying to like get them to do experiments on him. Uh, you have uh, Black Hole comes out in 79 and, and, and which also comes out in 80, which is in production during Black Hole is The Watcher in the Woods. Yeah. Which is we were teetering to see if that was... We almost did that, that movie instead of this you know, one. And that's a really fucked up movie. And it's even more fucked up when you watch the deleted scenes of where they wanted to go with it. Yeah, That's yeah. Probably, probably worth your, 
that's worth the price of admission well, there. I, I, scenes. We'll do that movie at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, next year, 81, you have The Devil and Max Devin, which is basically Elliot Gould gets hit by a bus, goes to hell, and he and he makes a deal with the devil and sends him up with Bill Cosby to like sell souls to get him his, his soul back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have Tron in 82, which is somewhat dark. And then in 83, you have uh, Something Wicked Just Wait Comes, which is a Ray Bradbury, very dark story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of that, 85, you have uh, Return to Oz, which is very fucked. So like, <laughs> Disney went through this fucking really dark time. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, the culmination here with like, the, and then the so much so that they realized this was the first Disney PJ PG movie because of one the Anthony Perkins death and two because they do say like God damn maybe once or yeah, twice damn and, damn yeah. so they this is the Fortnite first nine says it a lot yeah oh, <laughs> is like what the fuck is going on here you know so this is the first PG movie for Disney and as well as that you know after this they realize it's so dark that they have to, they don't want it. They're kind of now weary to put like the Disney moniker over these kind of movies. So they, they yeah, sideline yeah. and make touchstone pictures, yeah, which yeah. ends up, they can now do darker adult material and not have the Disney name over it. And that ends up going to be Merrimax, which, you know, all the kind of, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino and all that kind of stuff kind of comes out of that with Harry, yeah. uh, Harry Weinstein. And now, Star Wars. It's co- yeah. And, it's gonna be. Is it gonna be a Disney it, movie? It's gonna be a Disney movie. And I mean, for a while when they rebooted Tron, they did Tron Legacy a couple of years back. There was uh, talks. There right? was talks that they were they they greenlit a remake of this movie, and it was gonna be the same director who did Tron. But then since Tron had such a lackluster response, which I mean, I liked it. I thought it was great for what it was. I liked I liked Tron Legacy. Yeah, and uh, they Love did the a lot score. of cool stuff. The staff Punk score amazing, and um. It kind of got stuck in some sort of bog now. And then I heard, as recent as 2012, uh, I forget the screen. There's some screenwriter that's attached to it. To, to, to it. But, you know, who knows if it'll get remade. Then I worry if it's going to get remade, we'll, you know, will it be cool? Will it be a pasteurization? Yeah. So, you know, we, we've always talking about remakes that eternal we'll just struggle. just pretend that Event Horizon was the remake. Well, it kind of was, though. <laughs> it kind of was the adult version. You look at it's the same kind of thing, except, you know... Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the freaking Event Horizon comes out, It's in it, and we find out the Event Horizon went to hell. And it's basically, it's basically the sequel to this movie. Yeah. You know, the, Cygnus goes into the black hole, and if it didn't completely break apart, it comes out the other end, and then you have freaking Sam Neill, who designed it. Yeah, yeah. We found the, the Cygnus. It's it's at the end of space, and that's kind of like the, the, the... We should do that movie at you know, some point. The sequel, what, the, a sequel to the... Oh, Event Horizon. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so it's for to, to bring this back. In fact, to the, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my pick. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, <laughs> I thought you might do that. So that I didn't know. Yeah, for at the end of the, the cast, I thought you might pick that one. Uh, so to bring it back, there's a lot of horrifying stuff in here, you know. And for a young young children to see, and you know, you, your parents are bringing kids to see a Disney movie, and you have these horrifying robots, especially Maximilian, who I still say is one of the coolest villains of all time. Maximilian is awesome. You know, I will give, I'll give you that. You know, he's fucking um, so sick, and there's such a, a subtext and dichotomy there with him and Reinhardt. Uh, and just, again, we talk about the visuals, just how cool the Cygnus looks. I don't think I've ever seen a ship before or after looks like that. Oh, it's definitely, look, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm sure it's clear. I think I'm sure it's clear to the listeners that yeah. like, this is way more your movie than mine. Oh movie. yeah. Um, I, I do like, it's got its flaws, but it has its strength too. And everything you're saying, I totally agree. You with. know, and, it, and, um, and Maximilian is a great, uh, is a great villain. He's he, he's frightening. It's like, you know, it's definitely hearkening to 
uh, Darth Vader a little bit, or even uh, like a Gollum. You know, it's yeah, like it's really it's just you don't know, and it's just it's a beautiful design. Like as a, as like a, him as a character, just like the conceptual design of him is very powerful. And you're talking about the way he was painted and stuff. It's it's wonderful thing visually. I mean, Disney, you know, whatever you say about like this movie, maybe not living up to Disney's. Uh, you know, the bar that Disney has set for itself. I mean, you're right. Totally right. In terms of a technical and visual aspect, it does maybe exceeds it. Yeah. In some ways. Um, I will say that like as a sleepover movie, watch it early because it is slow. So you, if you put this one on last, you (laughs) you might not make it through. You're going to wake up and it's just going down. You're like, what happened? Why is the, why is the, why is Borgnine's dead already? Oh, come on. I came in here because of that. So put, put this one on first. You know, and it's it's uh, you know it's just got so much crazy stuff, and it. it's just like I don't see how they. It's like it's ba- it goes back to a time we talk about us being nostalgic, where it's like, can you pitch this to be a freaking kids movie again? You know, it's like this. Is, I, but that's the thing. It's like, was it a kids movie? I don't think it really was. But, I mean, it, it, but it was because they were merchandising the fuck out of it. We, I we, guess, we, but you know, they we said they had a what was it, a little the little red book or whatever. They I know, were, but they merchandised know. the fuck out of like Planet of the Apes, know, and that's not so, a kids movie. It's just and so weird. You know, we talked about them merchandising. Uh, you know, like earthquake and oh, yeah. and the disaster movies. Those weren't kids' movies. I mean, they merchandised the hell out of Gremlins. I feel like you know, it's a like, Gremlins is not a kids' movie. I think either. with those movies, they look at it like kids are going to come either way. So yeah, let's just yeah. you know, let's get the adults in. But what, but when you put Disney, Disney presents like well, they, that's the thing. You know, it's like they were smart to to, to then make Miramax and Touchstone because you're right. I mean, using the brand name on it gives us certain expectations of the kind. Not only we've talked about like the technical. You know, like the quality, but it also gives expectations of what kind of thing. Are yeah, you, you think make. it's going to be something. And I mean, the tagline just tells it all. It's like a journey that begins where everything else ends. Yeah, it's like, it's like so when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that goes up there with one of them. You know, yeah, yeah. I'll be back. That's not really a tagline. <laughs> But it's like, you know, so it's like, I just don't know. And it's fucking horrifying. You watch, you, you show this in front of like a, a kid my age back then. And it scared the fucking bejesus out of me. Anthony Perkins getting killed. It's like, you didn't need blood. I did, I mean, that, and that says a lot. Because yeah. it's a movie that you've admittedly, as a child, watched I, I so many times. So it just goes to say something about horror in general. And how like, fucked even up I am. <laughs> no, but I think that's the thing. Is like there's always you know, and that's a it, you could just we could do a whole podcast about it. But there is something about like the repulsion attraction thing. Yeah, you know, like it does. It's and even still, at any age. It's yeah, such a young it's age. like what I was saying. It's very telling that like even as a child, you know, we're talking like four, five, six, or whatever. The fact that it scares you. And yet, you keep going back for more. Yeah, because you um, like that kind of a that, that kind of a feeling. You know, and it's, it's like a ride. It's basically yeah. like you know that's why people like to go on a ride at an amusement park. You know, um, but it's like that's like that's the whole thing about horror. I mean, I don't, you know, the like why why horror? Like why is it so successful? Why does it have such a huge fan base? Um, we even talked about with Towering Inferno when we did Towering Inferno. Like, is that a horror movie? And you know, I think. The discussion was like, no, but I think the attraction to those, like why we're attracted to disaster movies is very similar to why we're attracted to horror movies. It's all like a super interesting topic. And and when you originally presented this one as being like, what about, what do you think about doing 
black hole, it's part of our like month long, you know, Halloween horror extravaganza. I was like, it's unorthodox. It's an unorthodox choice, but I can see it. You know, it's a like, very unorthodox movie. <laughs> you know, like, like it certainly is not. You know, it's not like an immediate like let's do a horror movie. You think of this movie, but when you really look at it. Like I said, everything from like the inventions of the plot get have been used in horror stories, you know, in horror movies from Alien to Event Horizon to whatever. It's that, a like that a idea, and and then you know the, the the whole hell aspect. Then we get the moments of like Anthony Perkins' death, or the reveal of the person under the dome mask, or the or you know, or Maximilian the robot as being kind of like. The real, the real guy in charge, maybe you know, like a monster, uh, the Frankenstein, the craziness of of Maxim of Reinhard. uh, of Reinhardt is not unlike, to a certain extent, Peter Laurie's character in Mad Love, yeah, which was our last, yeah. which was our last cast. Yeah, just to get too, you know, like that, up the their... brilliance of them makes them go mad. Yeah, like it's like there's they're too. Brilliant for their own good, and their brain can't like they can't perceive like proper reality and 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 the intelligence. And especially a guy like this who's been divorced of human contact for fucking twenty years, you know, like you said, out of his own invention. But still, it's just like what the fuck? It's 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 uh, uh, mind blowing. Um, to, to to end it, we have I said the the Alan Dean Foster did the novelization of the film. And his ending for the novelization is the probe ship crosses the vent horizon, and all matter ceases to exist. Kate's ESP links the minds, all the minds of the Palomino crew, and allows them to survive in a fashion while the atoms in their bodies diffuse and are scattered all throughout the universe. That sounds amazing. You know, can you imagine if they tried to do that? Well, I'm sure they could have done it somehow with some sort of. I know, but to you know, like visually do that, it's a way. Like it's you can you can have it be understandable in a book. Yeah, but to, to visually, but not that this. But I think, it, but I not think that this under, this this. <laughs> Peter Ellen Shaw or this Harrison. Ending, this ending have, is understandable anyway. Yeah. Like. Uh, I think out of this, if you guys don't know anything about Peter Ellen Shaw, go check him out or his son Harrison who went on to go do Empire Strikes Back. He And I think he worked on Star Wars as well. Harrison Ellen Shaw. Um, two shout outs here. Uh, a guy named Tom McLaughlin. McLaughlin. He was a mime and they got uh, him to be the head mime to be the centurion. And they realized they couldn't just hire extras to be the centuries because the, the the bodies were so restricting so he actually hired a, a group of his mimes and they were all mimes in those outfits to have those different yeah you know, kind of uh, moves and stuff i feel like they, that's you know, one of the you know it's like one of those unsung for me, that's things. one of the big flaws of that movie is that like they're too robot yeah they, they made them too, too and that was a, a cinema fantastique said like you know like come on they're goose stepping with a fucking german <laughs> you know uh, sci- a mad scientist and you know but he hired mimes so that you know that they wouldn't freak out because under that thing was hugely restricting. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't see very well at all, and then they had to try to you know with them doing the lasers. You had to try to aim the right way as opposed to just point and shoot. Yeah. You know, uh, so he did a really bunch of really awesome work on it, and then also um, the great man uh, Bunk Minster, uh, Buckminster Fuller. Who was an architect, inventor, uh, a theorist, a, a author, and he? A lot of people know him for the uh, geodesic dome, which is like the Epcot spaceship Earth. Looks like a big golf ball in Epcot. Yeah, he designed. I used to have a teacher. Little side note. Yeah, going back, going down the alley. The old sidecast. I used to have a health. I think it was health. He was my health teacher. 
judge, I forget his name. He was judge something or judge other. Reinhold. No, but he was a guy who like, you talk about like a, like the most fascinating, you know, like the, oh, the, the most, the interesting most interesting man. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I call that. Geraldo. He was, he was a guy who in his youth was going to go to medical school, medical school, was in medical school to become a surgeon, then got hit by a car, yeah. lost his leg. Oh gosh. So he had one leg. When he couldn't do that because you have to stand to be a surgeon, that debunked his whole his thing. He became a judge. Then he ran off with the circus. What? Married one of the clowns. Did that for many years. Then came back, did a, became a teacher. He had a pet wolf. And his house was a geodesic dome. Wow, that's freaking crazy. Isn't that like the craziest? Is he still alive? Oh, I don't know. He was pretty old when I had him, and that was in high school. Wow, 35 um, years if ago. If he was alive, he'd be at least in his 80s. Wow. I mean, um, fascinating guy. That's really amazing. funny. But yeah, he's he. So in shout the, out to him. So shout that, out up in up in, uh, uh, in the Shindahola. in the uh, in Saratoga County in Clifton Park somewhere. I forget off what road, but there's a Gia. I would imagine it. I hope it's still standing, even if he doesn't live there anymore. Maybe there was there was, a, there was a geodesic. You should see if there's any if there's any fans that live up in the Albany area over there by. Uh what, Shenandoah? It's the second time we brought up the cast in it. One of these horror co- near, uh, Shenandoah, near Shenandoah High School. He's a there, there was off the beaten path, there was a geodesic dome, and that guy used to live in it. God bless him. Well, the, the, uh, Epcot, the, the, the big golf ball there, which they call Spaceship Earth, is an example of that. And also, like, playgrounds, those are ones that you can go climb up in, the yeah, exposed yeah. ones. But uh, Buckminster Fuller, he d- designed all that kind of thing, and he was also a guy who developed, like, wire rigs to suspend, like, huge amounts of weight for buildings and stuff. But they used uh, his wire work because all the miniatures that were so heavy and they were, you know, all these different camera systems we've talked about photog- uh, photographing it, they couldn't have any of those models move. Yeah. So they used a lot of his special rigging to devise it and rig it with wires in such a way that these things would sit as heavy as they were. They would sit absolutely still over different cycles of photography. So it's cool that they used a, you know, yeah. that kind of wire rigging for that. So, uh, yeah, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's also, you know, it's almost for another cast. But we've alluded to at the head of this cast, like all the life that it takes on afterward that they have, like, you know, they have a comic book adaptation. They have the yeah. uh, the little golden book adaptation. They had a computer <laughs> game. They had a talk yeah. to book to tape. They had a record. And like we said, the record, they say, was the first digitally recorded uh, album, supposedly. Uh so you know it's it's amazing, and again, I, the John Barry score is pretty awesome. You know, he's known for Bond. Yeah, it's um, you know, and that just that opening theme, I think. Yeah, is I would great. say the some there there are a few key pieces there that are very larger than life. Yeah. Um, the as a, sco- I can as a score to support the movie, honestly, and in my personal opinion, I don't think it's entirely successful. But you, but the but the main themes definitely stick with you yeah you know uh and yeah check out peter ellen shaw check out the movie if you haven't seen it and uh i guess that since we're concluding now that gets to our recommendations yeah and also we just forgot to do something with the mad love cast which oh, is our stars. we keep forgetting we to keep do forgetting that we, to we forgot do. to do that for batman you know, it's, too. it's like we because we it's like we added this other segment so and then we forget yeah i mean the lights <laughs> we're, out of, we're out of we're out of coffee the uh the light the sun's up the boat's sun's rocking up, now birds are chirping you know that the, there's uh there's tugboats going by now all right so, so uh 
curating your perfect sleepover. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something completely different, but then all this talking, obviously, I, I keep, if you're listening, you already know I've changed my mind. Of, of a recommendation. And of a recommendation of the movie that I would pick if you're going to watch, if you're going to rent this movie, if you're going to rent Black Hole, yeah, and you're going to watch Black Hole and you need two other movies to fill out the sleepover, one, we already said, watch Black Hole first. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get that out. Yeah. Cause, cause you don't Make wanna... sure you watch that one first. Mm-hmm. I was going to go with a 1979 Star Trek the, the motion, uh, picture. motion picture, which like rival same year. That's you, almost too like putting two cars in a red light. It you would know? be that would and a one. And you know what? It'd I, be a slow evening. And I, you're gonna need <laughs> you're gonna need that mega gel cola, especially <laughs> especially if you got the Robert Wise director's cut where it's like 30 minutes of the freaking Enterprise just leaving the space dock. With start that say Star Trek. Start early. Yeah. But I'm gonna scratch Star Trek. But I feel remote. like you know what? I feel like a lot of people and for the wrong reasons would Star Trek's the better movie. You know because it's like yeah, fuck yeah. Star Trek's great. I like, actually really enjoyed oh the first one was great yeah yeah. Uh, Um, but but i'm gonna scratch star trek yeah we're gonna go with event horizon 1997 i figured you'd do that that was the one you were expecting yeah i was expecting that i wasn't wasn't thinking (laughs) that i wasn't thinking on the right because that's basically the adult version of the black hole they just you know what you know the cgi doesn't necessarily hold up yeah um but it's fucked now, up. Now, uh, almost, almost, twenty full, years, almost a full twenty years later. Yeah. Um, there was a time period when we were in college where I was like, "Van Horizon, last good horror movie." Van Horizon, last good. And then, it was. luckily, some good horror movies same, came out. It's the same genre. It's a, it's a, it's a haunted house in space. You know, Sam Neill. Uh, it's the Shining in space. You big know? big lover of Sam Neill. Oh, who doesn't uh, love Van, Sam, uh, Sam, uh, Sam, uh, Sam In Neill. the Mouth of Madness, one yeah. of my favorites. And the guy now who plays. Uh, uh, Alfred on Batman. Alfred, yeah, he's in that. He's in that. Uh, a lot of great characters. The guy from that MTV show. Um, I forget the name of that show. Something you know, he only had like a certain amount of time to live, and he's running around. They had a little sitcom there for a minute. The uh, Lawrence drama. Fishburne's Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Uh, and a couple other people. But a great, great movie. Sam oh, Neill uh, got a great part. Yeah, Sam Isaacs. Is that Isaacs? The young blonde kid. No, but there's a there's a British actor, blue eyes, dark hair. The girl's good in that Who's too. Great. Anyway, you know, yeah, great, so great fan, movie. It's really interesting. That's a good companion. I haven't seen that for a long yeah. time. That, we might have to put that one on mm, yeah, when yeah, we turn yeah. this off. <laughs> sure, go into a Sunday Sunday, <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> keep keep yeah. the party going. Turn the church off and um, turn on, and then uh, really, like I said, CGI doesn't hold up, but a really cool, interesting movie. Uh, Paul S. W. Anderson, maybe the guy that did the Alien vs. Predators and the first uh, Resident Evil. I believe he directed that. Okay. Um, so he's kind of known for being the guy that did, like, uh, for a while there, he was known as, like, the guy that did video uh, game adaptations as movies. But so it's got a very... Uh, it's got a very uh, stylized, very of its time, unfortunately. But uh, What well, do you think that's the reason why you have the um, that kind of, I guess, now unforgiving CGI? Well, I mean, they were trying to do the waitlist thing, so there's a lot of things floating hey, around. I saw that in the theaters in 97, and that shit I did looked too. great. So that being you know, at Crossgates Mall, since we're since we're since we're doing the, the I saw Albany Saratoga, area. I saw that at the Milford Mall, the Post Mall in Milford, Connecticut. I saw that bad boy. That Actually, was like it was the last movie I saw at the movies before I went to school, and we met. That it was the I saw it like the weekend before I met you. Uh, I saw it the. Uh, we had orientation weekend. I met you, and then I went home the next weekend, and I saw that with a with so, a friend of mine. So I saw it just before I met yeah. you. You saw it just after you. Because the, because the the movie I saw prior to going into college at Lake George, I saw Copland at the same theater that I saw the second screening of Batman, uh, Tim Burton's Batman that uh, year eighty seven, which is no longer a theater there next to the Go 
go-kart park there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not like a freaking, like, ATV fucking place. So, so that was probably a second-run theater. So if you're going to watch The Black Hole, we, I recommend also check it out on Horizon. And your pick? My pick, uh, I think you'd have to, if we're doing Black Hole first in your night, and uh, I think Event Horizon would have to be last because that's probably going to keep you awake. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> My middle pick would be uh, 1956 Forbidden Planet. Uh, I it, it it we're going farther. I, we you, could talk about event. We could do another hour on Forbidden Planet. Oh yeah, but easy. but it's funny that like we're 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 we've put our tent pole in '79. You're going 20 years ahead to '97. <laughs> I'm going 20 years back to 56 and 56 Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Forbidden. Imagine that fucking uh, Event Horizon 1956. Woo! Directed by Howard Hawks. <laughs> wow. Or maybe even uh, Don Siegel. Uh, but Forbidden Planet in 56, starring Walter Pigeon. Uh, uh, I was gonna say Liam Neeson. Um, uh, Leslie Nielsen and uh, Young. I think it's uh, Anne and Margaret. Or Anne Francis, I'm sorry. Yeah, another big uh, robot movie. Yeah, well, it's the first big budget special uh, sci-fi movie. I think Warner did it, and it's the first movie that they like. You know what? Because yeah, sci-fi has always been B pictures up until that time. They're like, yeah, you know, yeah. this, these B pictures are making a lot of money. Let's just throw the kitchen sink at it and budget. And they did a, a top top grade. Did you get the introduction budget. of Robbie the Robot. First Robbie the Robot. A lot of cool stuff going on. A lot of uh, cool Warner animation there for a bit. Uh, very cool plot. It's the same kind of thing where. It's the same plot, which you kind of, uh, I wouldn't say ripped off, but like Alien and Aliens, and you have with the Black Hole, where it's like, they're a ship out flying around, they've lost contact with the colony, uh, they're going to go check what's going on with this colony, they get to the planet, and they find two survivors. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a prof- it's a scientist and his daughter, real hot-ass, like, 18-year-old daughter. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I like the fuck, and Leslie Nielsen's like, really? Okay, boys, uh, you guys go fix the ship. And uh, there's something else going on on the fucking planet that's really crazy. The other thing that is, I think, probably maybe even at this point, the most notable thing about that movie is that it is, like, the pioneering. Widescreen? No. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie yeah. uh, in a widescreen format. Is the soundtrack? Oh yeah, that real it's, crazy. It is like avant-garde. If you're into like electronic music, yeah. I mean, if you're into, uh, you know, what's become like technical tech uh, tech techno and and dance music. I mean, this is all starts with like, you know, if in the seventies you got Carpenter, you got Tangerine Dream, um. You got, you know, uh, Friedkin uses uh, Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells in Exorcist. I mean, we go back 20 years and you have, uh, I can't remember their names. It's a husband and wife team. Yeah, they, I they, know. They do, it is, it's, it is pioneering. It's the first of its kind. In fact, they don't even, unfortunately, like they didn't, they couldn't even really get nominated for soundtrack because they didn't even consider it it's music so, at the time. It's so <laughs> weird it, in a sense where it's just the, uh, the noises and the, the, it's, it's really like a, you know, like a, almost an odd You have Bernard Herman around that time. Bernard Herman also introduces like the idea of using the theremin in the day they were oh, stood still him. and stuff. But this is like the way they use electronic noises and stuff. It's, totally pioneering and it's what has made you know people if you're a horror fan you're talking about you know uh the music and like it follows being very reminiscent of john carpenter well it all starts with forbidden planet and the and the music of that husband and wife team of uh, lewis baron and his wife uh, 
Bebe. Bebe. <laughs> B-E-B-E. Bebe's kids. Bebe. Um, B-E-B-E. Bebe. They really, it's really hats off. It's a really great movie. Like I said, they didn't even really get credit for it because at the time, it's like nothing had, that had ever been done before. So it wasn't even considered music. It was, so it wasn't really considered score. It's crazy. It was just considered like more sound effects. But it is the actual music part of the actual like themes and, and yeah. it's a and all the special movie. effects hold up like it's all really good you know the wide screen's great the color it's a, that's a, like that 50s rich color yeah you know it's, great it's, it's probably cinemascope so we're going uh, yeah uh, 20 years before and 20 years <laughs> after you know but it's like that's a good sci-fi horror night because I mean I think Forbidden Planet is firmly in the sci-fi realm. Yeah, yeah. And then you have... That's interesting. So if you do it the other way, you start Forbidden Planet, yeah. 8 o'clock at night, you do sci-fi, <laughs> and then you have Black Hole, which is sci-fi, horror, teetering, and then yeah, fucking yeah. late night. And then you go balls out with the sci-fi horror. horror. You know, Event Horizon. So, uh, awesome. And then, uh, I guess, Black Hole, I would say Sleepover Stars, I'd do probably 3.5. Yeah, this is your movie. You know? I would go... For me, I would go less. I would go... Two and a half, yeah, maybe three on a good night. Uh, uh, bucket of pizzas. pizzas for bucket me. Of pizza, yeah. Tune uh, into uh, the blob if you want explanation of what a bucket of pizza is. Yeah, and an older <laughs> cast as well. We do that too. I forgot. We'll, we bring, we bring up. a bucket of pizza, but uh, so, unfortunately, we forgot to do Mad Love. Yeah, we forgot to do Mad Love, and we forgot to do Batman as well. But I think you could tell by the epic Batman cast yeah. of where our heart sits with that. Movie. <laughs> uh, Mad Love, yeah, we forgot to do Mad Love, but we love Mad Love as well. So, so we're gonna um, wrap this baby yeah, up because we're going to put a pin morning. on it. Yeah. Uh, so check out Black Hole, Disney. Good for you, Disney. Uh, yeah, you know, good for fair Walt. play to you. <laughs> you know, yeah, fair play to you. There's a. Uh, lastly, I guess to, to 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 wrap this up, there's a funny story where uh, where um, uh, some young. It, it, it's the story in the Disney Studios where some young, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneur or guy at Disney was kind of. Um, upset about his career and all that kind of thing and he approached Walt and he's like Walt you know I'm kind of I want to I want to strike out my own and get a name for myself at, at your studio and Walt's like well here's the issue here you know I mean at the end of the day it's always going to be Walt Disney it's always going to be my movie because at the end of the day they're not going to pay to see you they're going to pay to see Walt Walt my name on it and it's yeah. true because no matter what happens as much as you love Mary Poppins if you go ask people who directed that fucking movie people are like Walt Disney you know, yeah. so it's like it is a Walt Disney movie. So that's why it's always, you know, John Carpenter's a thing. It's always Walt Disney's or yeah, Walt Disney yeah. presents. So, you know, God bless him, that bastard, <laughs> a bastardo, that, that son of a bitch. We love Walt. So uh, he's the, he's the head, Stanley. Apparently, before apparently his head's frozen. Yeah, yeah. We can only hope. So uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on. Uh, Poddroid, uh, we're on uh, Pod Bay, Pod Bay, Twitter, FM, Stitcher, Stitcher, uh, at Sat Sleepovers on uh, on Twitter, at Sat Sleepovers. We're uh, uh, Saturday Sleepovers is our is our handle. You can Google us Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm at Podwits.com. Blake, you do music. JBlakeBlues.com. He does parties. He's, he's, <laughs> I would do a party, yeah. sure. He's he's under the yellow pages, and uh, we'll do parties. Uh, please check us out on Facebook. Like our stuff. Share it with friends. And our main know. website. Yeah, check out our yes. Please check out our main website because a lot of people don't know who get our podcast from these iTunes and all these other things. Is that we when we put the posts up in the casts, we do a lot of extras. We always do like a lot of stuff, and they're not just like say extras just deleted scenes from YouTube or whatever. We, we have a well, lot we of... We do that, too. We do do that. Whatever is relevant to the movie, but we do have a lot of, funny as it sounds, exclusives to our site. We have a lot of original stuff. Our archive is vast and deep, 
and we have original art. We have, you know, f- crap. We had Bob Kane art, original Bob Kane art that we have for uh, Batman. Batman. We had uh, Mike Plug original storyboard art for John Carpenter's we The Thing. We also uh, pictures of... Uh, uh, we have all we have we have cell work. We have uh, all kinds of really just nifty stuff, and we always try to you know give you know a little extras here or there for the reading or check this out or deleted scenes, commercials, all kinds of stuff to just to link it into and the that's, cast. Uh, Saturday sleepovers dot podwits dot com. Yes, for your that's Saturday sleepovers dot podwits dot com. For your listening pleasure. So uh, review us. We love hearing from you. A lot of com- people have been starting to comment on the main site, which is awesome. Yes, yes. And <coughs> uh, commenting on our postings and all that. We always just like to add that just please keep everything civil. No arguing or whatever like that or no fighting amongst yourselves. And uh, sleepover movies are good. Yeah. So uh, keep listening. We hope you like our uh, October 2015 horror extravaganza brought to you by um, Winston Lights. <laughs> Uh, the real smoking. Winston's taste good. Yeah, like they the taste. Shit. Yeah, and um, LF, we're not MFT. condoning that. <laughs> no, LFMFT. Um, so um, Lucky Strikes, smoking. Lucky Strikes taste bad. Or remember, two out of three doctors do recommend. <laughs> we're Lucky not condoning strikes. smoking. So we're kidding. All right, but check us out. Uh, uh, check us back in two weeks, but in this context, next week because we're doing the horror special. Oh, yeah, we have one more to wrap up our, our October horror. We might flip a little extra, some extra little stuff. extra treat yeah. on, on an off Friday because there's actually five Fridays this week. Yeah, they're fucking us up. So, so yeah, we might a, throw a little something extra in yeah. that off Friday. Jay Blake has recorded some stuff with some contributors that will be very exciting, and uh, then we have one dropping the Halloween Eve, All, all Hallows Eve. Which is really cool. And it's really topical. It's one of those things it's where a special it, Halloween episode. Yeah, it's a special Halloween episode that takes place on Halloween, which is really fun. Those movies that always that you know take place on Halloween. Yeah, you know, are definitely Halloween specifically themed. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to just a horror movie. Yeah. But we're rambling. Hey, take care. See you soon. And uh, if the creeks don't rise, we'll be back next week. Later. This is basic civil defense information from the Department of Defense, Office of Civil Defense, Washington. There's one easy, sensible thing your family should do to prepare for a possible time of emergency. Set aside a few simple, basic supplies you'll need to take to the public fallout shelter. Supplies to help keep you and your family alive and well in event of enemy attack. For instance, any special medicines or diet foods required by members of the family, insulin, heart tablets, baby food, and other infant supplies, blankets, a battery-powered radio, a flashlight, extra batteries. And if the nearest public shelter hasn't been stocked yet with emergency rations and supplies, you'll need to take as much food and water as you can carry. Emergency supplies are needed for a private home shelter, too. Lay in enough food, canned or packaged, and preferably pre-cooked for two weeks, plus enough drinking water in tightly kept containers or jars to give each person at least a quart a day or more. For help in making up a list of needed supplies, consult your local civil defense office.